You are listening to Boku No Stop, the anime podcast that also has a magical girl transformation. I'm your host, Mad Marcus. My pronouns are he, him, and with me is... Sybil Arnett, she, her. Mm-hmm. And today, we are talking about Flip Flappers episodes 10 through 13, the last four. And uh, they're a doozy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, content warnings for today's batch include uh, sexualization of a child via a very bad character design and uh, over-possessive parenting. Like, militantly so. Like, yes, like, extremely. <laughs> Yandere parenting. That's the phrase that, that's the one. There it is. <laughs> we were trying to figure out how best to phrase this, but yep, that's a, oh God, definitely don't want to play Yandere parent simulator. Yeah, that thing will overheat your CPU. It's so terribly written. <laughs> but we're going to start off with episode 10, Pure Jitter. And if you recall, last time we were at this, uh, Yayaka had been drastically injured, she had been yanked through a portal to Flip Flap HQ, and everyone was just kind of in shock from the chaos of the events. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we cut to Papika chilling on a staircase to nothing in midair, holding a shard in her hand, thinking about Mimi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hidaka is wheeling Yayaka out of the building on Dr. Salt's orders because he is not having that tramp in his building, he swears to God. But <laughs> Kokona and Sayuri convince him that they can at least let her stay overnight since dumping her in the wilderness will do nobody any good. Across town at Asclepius HQ, the new girl who we're gonna have to talk about, you knew yeah. later, yeah. is, uh, holding her ear up to the staff and her bethonged ass in the air. (laughs) The whole thing is glowing red. The head clansman and the girl go to find the twins, where one, Toto, is recovering from his injury, and two, name I forget, girl, is Uh, just kind of being girl. Yeah, it's uh, Yaya. Thank you. I always forget Yaya's name. Because no, it's too close to Yayaka. That's exactly it. There's a Yayaka, <laughs> and my brain is like, that can't be the name. Yeah, there's got there's probably some reason why those names are what they are in the Japanese that we don't understand. But yeah, <laughs> not a great choice. No, a lot of not great choices. Not but... a lot of great choices. This stretch. Ah, so now that all the shards are out of pure illusion, they just need to find out where Yayaka was dragged so the mission will commence. And they tell Nudu, you're not going outside dressed like that. But she's absolutely going to go outside dressed like that. It's this close to the ending. We're not redesigning her character. Yeah. And finally, at Flip Flap, Papika goes to talk to Coconut, but she is asleep outside of the recovery room waiting for Yayaka to wake. Yeah, she's in the the hallway that they've put a couple of scenes in before, but uh, it's kind of nondescript. has a bunch of junk in it. There's so, they give an actual layout to Flip Flap HQ this episode. And they kind of do, yeah. No, they put a whole map up, yeah. it's got. It's oh, got, I forgot about the map. Yeah, there's yeah, annotations yeah, yeah. and everything. It's just very weird because we've basically just been seeing a couple of loose, disconnected rooms. And suddenly it's like, no, this is actually a whole 
maybe more than a house-sized underground facility. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And also, do you know what you mentioned in episode one that I found really funny when it reoccurred in this episode? Hyperautomason. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The hyperautomason. Yeah, it's such a good, like, weird factoid. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm glad it makes a comeback, and I'm glad that it turns into a trap. Like, that was fun for me. That was excellent. Yeah, that was good. Uh, so we get our intro, and when we come back, this is actually a dream, because then Kokoda wakes up on the bench with Papika slumped against her, also sleeping. And when Papika says Mimi in her sleep, Kokoda gets up angrily and goes to leave and, like, startles Papika awake. She and dumps Papika her on the floor. <laughs> that's true yeah it's it's a it's a pretty dramatic move and poppy goes like hey where, where are you going uh but Kokona demands that she explain like who is this maybe person and poppy hesitates and then Kokona leaves to go check in on yayaka and as a counterbalance yayaka wakes up she's been faking sleep at least for part of this because she mentions well the doc isn't going to love this but coconut is totally happy to be talking to her oldest friend who is still talking to her and is being really open about things like hey did you know those twins were artificial and did you know that i'm actually kind of a child experiment too and i met you because of the fact that i was a child experiment also Pure Illusion doesn't really grant wishes. It's that whoever has all of those shards can control it, which mm-hmm. basically makes you a tiny living god. Have you ever seen Lawnmower Man, Coconut? That's what's going on right now. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> I did not make that connection, but that is an accurate description. <laughs> and Coconut is kind of surprised by this because she's like, who would want to control Pure Illusion? It's like, uh, me, everyone. What is, <laughs> did you really not ever learn what ambition was? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, like, at this point, she hasn't come clean about one thing, which is the fact that she was, you know, she befriended Kokona because of Asclepius, uh, because that becomes important, important in a moment. I thought that was at this dump. Hmm. No, no, no. She says that she was, she was, that's how she got involved with Asclepius, but she's, she hesitates to say, by the way, this is why we are friends. That is why we are friends. And then the twins, like, blow up her spot. All right. I got to say, there's <laughs> a there's an issue with these last four episodes, which is that they feel like they were written in one draft. Because there's yeah. some of these things yeah. that would flow better if you put them in one scene. Mm-hmm. But it'll be... Here's 75% of a scene, and then we're going to change gears, and we're going to just suddenly come back for that last 15 or 25. Maybe we'll do it in two dumps later. And it just keeps jerking you around at different points in time, especially when we get into the last couple. But this is the start of that. I legitimately forgot. Yeah, yeah. It's a little disjointed. Anyhow, speaking of uh, things where they take a lot of credit from other people's style. Do you remember when Nerve got invaded in End of Evangelion? That's what's happening right now, because 
The 100%. twins bust through the wall with a giant drill machine going for Yayaka and Coconut. Uh, robots approach from above, and at this point, Papika flies in on the board, grabs Coconut. Yayaka says she is going to stay behind because Papika does offer, hey, get on with me. But no, she's going to stay behind. She just wants to punch out her former co-workers. And it's like, okay, why not? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, this is the scene where yeah, the twins say, oh, yeah, she only befriended you to get close to you because she wanted your access to pure illusion and all that. Uh, and, like, they're smirking about it, too. They're like, oh, she tricked you. You know, just like we like tricking people. <laughs> and Yayaka, like, th- this is where Yayaka has like a moment where she's like feels bad and Coco's like no it can't be true and Yayaka doesn't say anything (laughs) yeah that whole beat and like this is the part where like there's a bunch of traps that like Hidaka is uh pulling including like using the the Tomlinson room where they're like uh it's like shimmying aside the wall like on these little platforms and like the platforms move into like uh, a slope and they all fall off into the nothingness below them. Um, and in that context, kind of it also redefines the staircase that Papika yep. is on at the start of the episode, which is a spiral staircase to a tower of nothing. Yeah. Which is also weird considering that they're underground. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very odd. Uh, so on their way out, Kokona demands that they stop and asks again about Mimi. And Papika says that. Mimi is her partner and dear friend. And here we get the first of several extended flashbacks. Uh, So Mimi is a highly protected test subject and she's being studied in this uh, laboratory. And she's basically been like raised in this laboratory environment, living in one room her, her entire life because she can go to pure illusion and the scientists want to figure out what's the deal with that. And can we do that ourselves? And part of that process involves trying to pair her with other children and measuring their impedance and seeing if they can make that work. And among the scientists, there is a young salt, a young little boy salt. And he is there being a trainee with his father and, Papikana is introduced to Mimi. And even though Mimi like kind of doesn't connect with her, uh, Papikana is still like, I want to be friends with her, even though they have no impedance, like they were going to get rid of her. They kind I don't know if they imply that they kill the children (laughs) that don't, (laughs) that don't work or they just like let them go. I have no idea what they do, but they like, they're like, can we get rid of her? Like move on to the next subject. They're like, ah, let's hold off. And Papikana ends up meeting Salt by chance because she climbs into the ducks and ends up falling into his room instead of Mimi's. And uh, the three of them end up striking up a friendship. So you mentioned the other children. There's a flashback like this with Yayaka earlier. Right. And then there's the Papikana one right here. Also, Salt uh, has a brief conversation in modern times where it's like, Ah, Papikana, you remember. And mm-hmm. all yes, she could yes, say yes. is, you've gotten meaner. But he doesn't <laughs> comment on the fact that she is still a child and he is a grown man. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of other things. Also, mm-hmm. I just want to dwell on, 
In one of these scenes of a bunch of faceless children plus the one who is our protagonist, there is a very unfortunately drawn black child, possibly the only black oh. person in the entire show. Oh, I totally did not notice that. <laughs> it's, it's, just, bad, huh? it's just on the verge of you wouldn't say anything except it's like, oh, you did the lips, huh? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I guess they're still referencing Ava, that one dude on the aircraft carrier. It's... Yeah, there we go. Let's just call it an Ava homage. That makes this acceptable. <laughs> didn't mean acceptable, just explained. Yeah, it's... In a more favorable fashion, I guess, question mark. No, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, this is the most overt we're going to get for a while about salt came out of proto-Asclepius. Mm-hmm. And this is how, yeah, Papikana got put into the thing. And yeah, you're right. They don't say anything about the age stuff. Uh, they do. And that's the worst part is... Well, they, they eventually do, right? I realized it later. This is another one of those, it feels like a first draft things. At the start of the final episode, after yeah. uh -huh. three episodes of this revelation, it's like, wait, you're dating someone how much younger than you? <laughs> yeah they okay yeah yeah we will get to that. oh yeah i just that. <laughs> i had that click for me halfway through episode 12 uh -huh. and then uh -huh. i was really alarmed when the show did a very no pito walk back yeah 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 like th this is the like this is something that happens a lot when stuff like this happens like okay like, I'm overexposed to the uh, I'm in love with the villainous, uh, uh, like, fandom. Like, I'm in their Discord and stuff, the Wada Oshi Discord. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that kind of gets, like, completely passed over in that series is that, y yeah, one of the characters is a 30-year-old woman who gets put into a teenager's body who then goes on to date a teenager. Like... They just kind of let that go. Like, not the fandom. Like, the story just kind of lets that go. And it's one of the the few things. There's, like, a handful of things that are kind of icky about that series. And that's, like, the big one that kind of is the elephant in the room. Well, she's reincarnated, right? Um, I mean, depends on what you mean by reincarnated. Like, she doesn't live her life over. Okay, um, so, yeah, I haven't gotten into that one yet. I didn't know if they did the same thing where it's next life as the villainous where it's like she died she becomes the child and then has an awakening of her old memories now the way it's like she's playing an otomi game because this mm -hmm. is one of those otomi game series like izakai series and she just kind of passes out and wakes up and she's in class as a teenager oh no and she has all of her all of her memories it's one of those like she knows what happens in the game and so she's using that to her advantage kind of situation it's better than it sounds i'm just gonna say that out there like it's a pretty good series but like you kind of have to like take that little bit of oh yeah she's actually mentally an adult and just shove that aside <laughs> to make it work at all yeah that's not the best it's not the best suffice it to say that the age gap thing is troubling <laughs> let's just leave it at that um so after uh convincing his father to let mimi outside uh, so Salt talks to his father, you know, because they're all friends now. The three kids have a picnic out in the flower field by the lake. And this is the one we've seen before, which was outside the ruins of this building. 
you know, the, the research area. And Mimi finally smiles and thanks Papikana for giving her this opportunity and says that she will show her something that only she is able to. And she grabs Papikana's hand and they go to pure illusion for the first time. And in the middle of this, she calls Papikana Papika. That's the first time that happens. So mm-hmm. notable. And that's <sighs> all right. This is when coconut sucks. <laughs> like yeah. this is a hard line. Coconut just interrupts this story right here and she starts going off on Papika. Oh, so you're just with me because I'm a replacement for Mimi and well, guess what? I hate you. I hate Dr. Salt. I hate that fucking robot. I hate that weird androgynous guy. All of you. This organization sucks. My school sucks. Everything blows. And the two of them finally leap into a pipe to get out of the building, which is still under assault during all of this, but they Mm -hmm. split up and go in two different directions. The adults watch this on a monitor and are pretty chill. They're like, okay, cool. They're out of the building. We're good. Salt says, great, blow the place. Mm -hmm. But Coconut, all right, I gotta say, I get that for drama... We need a little mm-hmm. of this, but yeah, Coconut's entire shtick that sets off the entire final arc of this show is how dare you have dated another woman before? Me? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the whole thing. No, yeah, yeah, but all yeah. This is the kind of thing, though. You have to remember, this is a fourteen-year-old girl who has never had romantic attractions to another person before and is extremely not used to it. So I'm not going to say that gives it a pass. I just think it's explainable. Like it doesn't feel like it's, it's a little forced. It's absolutely forced, but I can see why they wrote it that way. And yeah, they needed some kind of, they wanted to build in some kind of separation between the two before coconut has her whole, her whole arc in this series is basically like a whole, uh, kind of like fall, fall oh, you know I keep thinking back to like the Vonnegut shape of stories thing where it's like man in a man in a hole where like things go down and then things go back up like this mm-hmm. is where the downward slope to the darkest point is going for coconut but yeah it doesn't feel right because it's not like she's like you said another woman's name <laughs> at first and in that your sleep. already made her annoyed in your sleep yeah I mean like she got called Mimi to her face a couple of times, though. It's true. In previous There's... episodes. And Papika is partly to blame because she is refusing to say anything about this yeah. or discuss, hey, you look exactly like this woman or a lot of other things. But And the thing is, we still don't know. Well, at this point, Papika has all her memories back, right? Yeah, Papika has she... the whole story as of the start of this episode. That's why she's angsting on a staircase. Yeah, and that's where it feels worse, because, like, before when they fought about this, Papika was just mixed up, right? Like, she just started getting her memories back, and they're crossing wires, but now yeah, that she, she has... Yeah, she brain scramblies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she gets... She has everything in order now, and then still doesn't... I mean, she still doesn't act like a... She doesn't act like a mature character. She still acts like the same Papika she is. Which it's always one of those weird things to me when it comes to 
this type of story where it's older person's brain in young body. How much how emotionally developed would that character actually be? <laughs> right. Because you don't you don't actually have like the physical capacities of thinking like an adult, but you have the experience of an adult. And like, in this what, case, that, that's always feels like a mismatch to me that never gets properly addressed. Well, it seems like they try to address it just by making Papika emotionally stunted on a lot of levels. I guess she's the thing is, yeah, even as an adult or yeah, like a young adult, she still is kind of like this. So I guess that's just how she be. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say that my mental estimation after the flashbacks and everything is that she's got to be mid 30s. Like, I'm, I'm saying 35, 36, because she's probably 18 to 20 before the events that kick off. Yeah. Then she goes 14 years alongside a baby coconut. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, yeah, got to be 32 to 35-ish. Yeah, yeah. But uh, admittedly, she did lose part of her memories and... For a while there, she was just kind of stuck in a tree doing nothing, which I'm sure isn't developmental at all. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> so, I mean, look, you think about it too hard, it just gets bad. <laughs> it, it does. Worse. And speaking of if you think about it too hard, let's talk about the fact that in Kokona's meltdown, she's referring to pure illusion basically as fucking. Oh, sure. Oh, Anyone would have been fine, she throws in Papika's face, says, I'm just a substitute for Mimi because you can't get to pure illusion otherwise. There's a lot of just under the surface sexual metaphor in this conversation. So it's not just you've been with someone before me. It's I'm the only one who gets you off in the same way she did. Boy, I did not read it that way. And. I think you're right that they're framing it in a similar fashion, but, oh God, but that, you know what, that, that makes sense, right? Because then the the whole bit with like pure X, pure Y, purity Mm -hmm. being a thing. And so now she's seeing Papika as unpure, (laughs) but the thing is she knew that Papika definitely said, I've been to pure illusion before, but I guess it wasn't, I've been to pure illusion with another woman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she just thought, oh, yeah, Papika can do this on her own and never thought about it, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, supposedly she can't do it at all without the shards, which are Mimi. So, Mm -hmm. like, she she needed something related to Mimi in order to do it, period. And the thing is, I mean, the, the funny thing is that they make that both metaphorical and literal when it comes to Coconut because of the shard in her thigh. Yep. It's very, it's, it's, it's messy. It's really messy. And the thing is, it also makes the other, what does that mean about if you're going to start using pure illusion in that way, or the experience of adventuring in pure illusion, what does that mean for all these other stuff that just happened with with other people's worlds and stuff? Oh, right. It gets really kind of (laughs) weird. Yeah. If we take this metaphor further and try to actually follow it through, it's also going to break shortly, but we'll get there. Yeah. 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 So. After all this, our girls have split up. They're out of the base, which is going to be destroyed. Coconut is just like, I'm going home and I'm going to take a bath and I'm going back to school and all this magic shit. I'm done with it. And so this is when 
her grandmother just starts walking around the apartment and she's like, what? And that's when mm-hmm. the robots come out of the walls and uh-huh. point guns at her. And she's like, what? Uh-huh. And then she goes to the ground and starts to pass out. And grandma's just like, oh, you know what? It's OK. Just don't fight. We're going to be chill. Thank you. You were such a good girl for so long. Mm-hmm. There's a one second scene with grandma at the start of the episode where she's in the empty room. And she just goes, oh, she's having a rebellious phase. Mm-hmm. But this is when the voice kicks in and says, everything's going to be all right. Suddenly, her shard starts glowing with an intense flashing like red rays. Like it's very distinct at least that compared to what we see to the show so far. And the shards at Asclepius HQ start glowing in this way as well. And Papika, who we, we didn't mention it in the notes, but when Papika went to escape, Salt is like, here's the box with all the shards we collected. Take that with you. So all four. Yeah, there's only four of them. <laughs> so Papika is flying on her hoverboard trying to go find Kokona and the shards like like melt through the like they kind of warp through the bag she's carrying them in and then just fly off towards Kokona's house and when they get there they combine with Kokona and the house explodes and in the rubble we see scraps of the soldiers and the grandmother who is also a robot yeah we see one of these torn up bots just clad in an old woman's clothing just to make clear yep she uh-huh. never had a grandma either uh-huh uh-huh and kokona is floating there in the air with red eyes now and with a soft voice she says mother will take care of everything and in a reflection of a shard of glass we see mimi in place of kokona and like i would say i think the grandmother reveal was pretty good I liked that sort of upending the like, I would say it was well shown, but it definitely does the kind of thing where, wow, you can't have something in this show that isn't literally tied to the macro plot, which gets a little bit tiresome sometimes. It's like you kind of almost expected like they like Asclepius populated this town, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Almost you think that, but it's not true, but it almost starts to feel that like, okay, how deep is the conspiracy? Well, the thing is that we have multiple other ways this could have gone. We could have hinted at this before the 11th hour. Because that's true. Yeah, there is. I watched this again with the knowledge of this twist. I've mm-hmm. cut it out of a couple recordings and mentioned it before now while we talk. Nothing shows this that I could no. see looking for it. No, no, you just think she lives with a grandmother, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, there's no... The closest it could be is if you want to read into how, at the very start of the show... She vanishes for a whole night. And all grandmother says is, well, just let me know where you are because it's I'm a surveillance robot. But <laughs> that that's a real stretch on my part to try and look for any clue. OK, OK, OK. So actually, I think they're this is the way they should have done this. Mm-hmm. So in the episode where they go into Aroha's memories and she has 
experiences all this stuff with Granny, right? The old lady yeah. who ends up getting dementia. Kokona should have taken that experience, and then there should have been a conversation with her trying to engage her grandmother in a different way, realizing that, oh, this this could happen to me. I don't want to have any regrets. And in that conversation, maybe we get some more insight into how grandma is, and then you start to suspect something in, at that yeah, time. Yeah, a hint, maybe just any kind of... I think grandma has under 10 lines in the whole show. Yeah, and most of them are not really meaningful at all. Uh, the other thing is, like, so much about Coconut as a character, I feel like, has to be, like, a nurture problem, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Because, like, I mean, okay, some people can be, like, I don't know, genetically indecisive? I don't know how that works. I mean, brain chemistry is a thing. But, like, I feel like a lot of the fact that she is indecisive and that being the core problem of her character has to come from the fact that she was raised by this robot, right? And not given real human interaction, except for, you know, talking to other kids well, in class. It's, or yeah, it's weird because if she was only homeschooled by the robot, you'd have something. But then it's like, no, she grew up a regular child. She met Jayaka. She has other friends at the school. They have a whole group they sit with to eat lunch regularly. Yeah, th there's a whole lot about her upbringing, which raises a lot of questions because it ends up being really important, right? Because why is this character like this? It's not because she didn't grow up without her parents, as far as we know. Maybe we're supposed to intuit that. But I think it really is because she was raised by a robot <laughs> under surveillance by Asclepius. I guess it's just one of those things that's very penciled in and nobody clearly yeah. came back to think of how to connect the dots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely feels like it's it, there's some coherence that could have been there that is not. And we mentioned early on. The person they brought on to be lead writer on this bounced halfway through the show. Yeah. Maybe something mm -hmm. to do with that. Probably. So we get the credits. There's no post-credit scene. That takes us into episode 11, Pure Howling. Is there a post-credit scene on any of these? Um, I don't think so. Okay, cool. I was checking through. I just wanted to make sure I didn't hit a button somewhere. Oh, no, they, they are there are no post credit plot scenes. Um, there is a uh, next time on exclusive uh, bit of animation. The uh, which EOE we'll ripoff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Another EOE ripoff. I did also put that one down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that happens a lot in these episodes is the the animation rolls into the credits. So the credits play over the last bit of the show. So they didn't make room for extra bits afterwards. They kind of just had, the you know, different music come in and uh, the credits show on top of the animation. Yeah, I think uh, two out of these four episodes have their own unique insert song in a different they form. They do. They do. So I'll have to cut um, those in. Yeah. Yeah. Episode 11, Papika arrives at the house of Kokona and finds it destroyed uh, the only surviving thing here is Wexkull, so the robot, the rabbit survives. I do like a gag where the rabbit is getting very animated and just trying mm -hmm. to say things, and all she says is, I don't speak rabbit. <laughs> and Wexkull's like, aw. Yep. But back at Asclepius, 
Coconut slash Mimi like bams her way in and she's just like sitting there on the top of the the staff, just kind of overlooking everything. And then she comes down and asks the clansmen there. Um she asks if the clansmen are the same people from the research center. And then asks them again, are you gonna take Coconut away from me? Like like again, like you did in the past. And then they start sending robots at her and uh, the, the the robe dudes start like saying, go get her. And she just keeps like murking them with like flowers. Like they either burst. Into she fl- annihilations a dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like like stuff like overgrows or like grows out of the bodies. And yeah, one of the just bursts completely. Uh, I think that part is pretty cool. Like, I I mean, it, this is a really cool sequence and it's a very good ominous method of attack. I love this. Yeah. And I think it's good that it's, she's weaponizing one of her most precious memories. Mm -hmm. Right. Or like her experiences. Cause she probably picnicked multiple times in that flower field, but it is explicitly those flowers. Yeah. It's clovers and a soft, dandelion like i i couldn't tell you i i bet you i probably should have looked this up Let, let's see if we can find any uh language of thing. flowers meaning i here. will find that by next episode when we okay. do the wrap up the thematic uh-huh. analysis yeah 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 because uh you know <laughs> if you're watching anime or manga and you see a flower it, it almost always means something so if you don't know it by heart go google it <laughs> In assassination classroom, when the Grim Reaper draws a rose, that means blood and thorns. Well, there's a scene in uh, Bloom Into You that they explicitly add to the anime because there's color where hydrangeas show up three different times and they're different color hydrangeas, which Mm. have different meanings depending on which characters are present in that scene. Hilariously enough, there is also a Bloom Into You reference in Assassination Classroom. So, Is there? <laughs> That's very funny. Okay, so there's this running joke that keeps happening where the book was in Weekly Shonen Jump. Uh-huh. And so at different times, there will just be little meta gags about other series in the magazine. And usually it's just kind of a fourth wall jab for a laugh. But at one point, someone tells another character... You can't leave because otherwise I'll keep all your French copies of Bloom into You you loaned me. What? Yes. <laughs> That's a weird reference. It is. It makes a little more sense if you know the two individuals in question, but Okay. It's one of those things where I just looked at that and went, Well, oh, that's a deep pull. <laughs> yeah. Not I guess the it's... deepest pull. I did have to Google no. a Japanese true crime story to get a joke about someone's dick, but it did happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's oddly specific, but uh, props to you, I guess. Yeah, like, Bloom It To You is weird because it actually ran in a Satan mag. It, it did not run in something like uh, Yurihime or, like, another series with, like, an intended female audience. So, yeah, Mimi is just bamfing around like completely destroying this building. She says that only she, her mother, can touch Kokona, and if anyone tries to take her away, she will kill them. And we get the intro. It hadn't happened by this point, but 
just back to backing all these and being kind of worn out with the show, I was starting to make incredibly crude lyrics about all the English in this opening song. <laughs> just to entertain myself and blow off Sure, some sure, sure. Yeah. That's the point I was at. I'm, I'm uh -huh. much better after some sleep, but yeah. Uh. But, I mean, like, I, I had to watch the last two episodes twice in order to be sure I took the notes accurately because mm. I didn't want to do the, like, spoilers for, like, the second half of this episode. Like, the, the notes get really a lot less in-depth, and partially is because, like, I didn't have the patience or the energy for it. But I wrote that, like, I watched them, I wrote the notes from memory, like, the things I remembered, and then I went back and made sure they were in the right order. And that's it. <laughs> um, I'm just going to throw this out there. The last two episodes should have been one episode, but we'll get there. You could have done that. You could have done that, yeah. There's a lot of wheel spinning. Oh, yeah. But we're not at that yet. We're at the part where things are still happening. So, yeah, Mimi is destroying Asclepius HQ... She is giving commands to the few surviving robed members that she hasn't just annihilationed out of existence. And I think there's two left alive. One of the red ones and the white mm -hmm. one who is half covered in clover now. Yeah. Like, it's a nice touch that, like, he, you start seeing flowers, like, growing out of his mouth. And he's going like, oh, I, I don't know if he's literally saying Sugoi Disney, but like... <laughs> He's just like, oh, it's so awesome. She's so powerful uh, as he, like, starts uh, blooming, I guess. Yeah, the white one who was always kind of shown as the head is into this. Mm -hmm. And one of the red robed ones, because one of them instantly gets poofed, is getting more and more consumed by these. And he is clearly not a true believer. He was in this for the power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, let's talk about New New because this is where she basically debuts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. The other two twins had a sort of cyberpunk, we could be NPCs in Devil Summoner 2, Digimon Cyber Sleuth kind of anime hair with cyberpunk gear look to them. They look like they're wearing shorts or like a unitard kind of thing yeah new new is wearing a cyber floaty that's the only way i could think to describe it it's a little <laughs> black orb around her that can also fly uh-huh she's got a visible jock strap and or thong that goes down the length of her back into I don't know if it's ever shown clearly, and I'm not going to look. Like, usually the O-ring is around her waist and just kind of cuts off where you see everything combine into. It, like, I don't want to get too gross with it, but, like, it's one of those, like, fetish lingerie bikinis that are, like, extremely, extremely short. Like, the ones that, like, you have to have a Brazilian to wear. <laughs> You see it undercut underneath her waist, even if they don't show where it bottoms out. Yeah. Well, there is one shot where you see the bottom of it, and it's it's because that's where the camera is. <laughs> I think I was taking notes at that point, and I'm glad. Oh, no. Yeah, the, the scene, the one of the shots in the alleyway is literally camera between her legs, and you could see her, the top of, like, her legs on the side of the screen and the top of her 
pelvis in the Whoa. middle. You can lit- it's literally a taint shot. Um, yeah. Like, okay. In the foreground. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> it's and like the the thing that I mean, obviously, all of these are children. It would have been bad no matter which character was in it. But this one is even younger looking than the other ones. And the, the other kids are like 14, right? They're all like yeah, they look like year they're all school. from the same class, maybe a year younger at most. This one looks like she's 10. Like Nune really is, young. Nune especially when she starts pulling out a gun everywhere, feels like if you took Sailor Chibi Moon, Chibi Usa, uh-huh. and just ramped every problematic thing about her story to 11. Mm-hmm. And then put her in like an even more revealing costume than Kill a Kill. It kind of is, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, no. The thing is, the double whammy about this is that, for one thing, this is an outfit so bad, I think people should have gone to jail for it. Like, this is, yeah, extreme, like, pedophilia vibes on this design. And on top of that, she is completely pointless to the plot. She has no purpose, and it would have been extremely easy to just not write her in at all. Yeah, there is... There's really only one thing she does, and that's not something that you needed to add to the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, she's the threat for Yayaka. You know, she's supposed to replace Yayaka, but you don't even need to replace Yayaka. All you could have done is said, you're just going to be kicked out, and then it would have had the more or less the same effect. Yeah, everything is going to go to hell by the end of this episode and nobody is going to make it back to Asclepius before everyone is turned into clovers. So there is no command structure now. Right. And the thing that makes this worse is that as soon as she comes up, you think she's going to be another antagonist, right? And then she immediately face turns for no reason and no explanation. Yeah, she starts becoming buddies with Buchan after beating the hell out of him. Well, yeah. And like, it's not signposted at all. <laughs> yeah, she breaks into the base, pulls out a gun and goes, I want to kill people, too. Then mm-hmm. she will immediately meet two scientists one scene later and do nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's basically yeah. what happens is she finds Buchan. She fucks up the robot. She finds Sayuri and Hidaka, who are trying to escape on the street. And before she can just get either of them, Yayaka... Uh, flies in and like uses her like cable weapon to like grab the gun and there's a there's an attempt at humor when uh, the girl keeps trying to say her name which is it's new you it's got this like really you know cutesiness to it right like that was kind of the intent and there's a back and forth be like it's not new you know it's new you know or whatever and it's not funny at all and that's the end of that scene. <laughs> I do think it's funny in the end of episode preview where it is her oh. and Hidaka just over screaming one another. That's a pretty good gag. Okay, that one's okay. But in this moment, it feels random and weird. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, I could just is like, wow, you're a weirdo. And then that's the end of the scene. And now now she's on flip flap side because Yayaka's there, I guess. That's it. That that that's all she does, really. That's yeah, straight up. She's just going to accompany the party. She's an easy way to help transport people because she has the little hover orb. Yeah, yeah, just completely useless. And very gross. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of 
I think we're going to avoid saying this every time, but when Matt said a second ago, Yayaka shows up, grabs the gun, makes a pun, and the scene ends, there's a lot of and the scene ends right now. Yep, yep. Uh, especially because there's like multiple things happen in multiple places, but they don't really, they didn't need to do this so much. You know, they could have spent more time on the character parts and not the action. Like parts. when we're done with this chunk, when, probably when we get into, yeah, before we start episode 12, I want to just lay out what happens in this episode yeah. in yeah. roughly linear order. And it's not much. no. No, it's not. They really are milking it. And yet somehow wasting time. Or like it, they're milking it and then also making it more pointless, but also <laughs> it's just so weird. Um but anyway, Salt is at the uh the lake by Asclepius HQ, well, old Asclepius HQ, and Coconut slash Mimi finds him there. And Salt says, uh no one wanted Mimi. We didn't want you to come back like this. This is not what we wanted. And she said, well, I had to do it in order to protect Coconut. And you didn't protect her, did you? And he says, like, oh, I sorry, I couldn't. And I will atone for that sin. And then he dramatically draws a gun on Mimi. It's straight up. The Mitsuru thing from the end of EOE, where it's oh, you're right. drawing the gun out of the coat, pointing at someone across a large, empty landscape. And then and then Sele shows up. Yeah, literally, there's just a bunch of monoliths <laughs> that draw out of the ground around him as weapons. <laughs> I, I didn't count them. I'm sure there are 12. <laughs> uh, it's a little under because I did. Okay. I think it's closer to nine. Okay. And... um. We're going to go back in time for another flashback. It's Mimi, Salt, and Papika is now Papika, not Papikana. They're young adults. They've grown into, we're going to say late teenagers, but there might be another time skip here. It's hard to tell on these designs. Mm -hmm. The scientists are having the girls do more pure illusion research. And at one point, they have a device called Elpis show up which is a giant speaker design on the outside, and you load a person into an eight-track-like cartridge mm -hmm. in this machine. And if you do that, it creates one of those red doors that cause issues with Art Club Girl, Iroha Irodori. Except in this case, Papika and Mimi do not help her through some trauma in a weirdly offensive way. They instead make the man broken and obsessed with pure illusion to the point that it's very clear he's the white-robed Asclepius guy. Yeah. Did we say that it's Salt's dad that gets in? Yeah, it's Salt's dad. Yeah, it's, it's Salt's father. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, I looked it up, and Elpis is a uh, Greek goddess of hope. Yeah, so I, I have this on the next time list when we start going into all the blatant symbolism. But yeah, that's that's the name. Everything but looks like speaker hardware and like Asclepius, <laughs> it's more myth. Yeah, and I don't know, it doesn't I guess we'll talk about it next time, but I didn't I, I didn't read that and then go, oh that makes sense. I see what they're doing there. I just went, oh, it just means hope. Okay. Sure. 
it kind of tracks with episode 12, but nothing else. Yeah, but it was named by Asclepius is the thing that's weird, <laughs> or proto-Asclepius. Yeah, they right? never name what this place was before it became Asclepius. It's just referred to as the organization a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we cut forward, I guess, from this, but not by much, because Salt is still really pissed off about this. His dad is a raving lunatic who's drawing shit on walls now. Mm-hmm. But he's still one of the lead scientists at the facility? Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just pull him from the from the project. My man but- came out of the machine raving and gibbering about rewriting reality because he touched the power. You cut that guy's security cards at that point. Uh-huh. So, okay, if I want to do a bullshit, this is the explanation. Um, what is it? The no prize explanation here. Other scientists got in the pod because they're like, we still got to keep trying using this. More of them went crazy and then they broke him out and made him leader. How about that? Let's just go with that. (laughs) It's better than anything that's shown on screen because we will explicitly be shown he is in charge of this entire facility still, despite being visibly raving mad. Yeah. Anyhow, Mimi and Papika are like, We are going to leave. You are a part of this polycule salt. Come with us. (laughs) And Papika does the very obvious in hindsight, very obvious in the moment thing of Mimi is, Mimi is, and doesn't say pregnant, but we all know what's happening. Yeah. And Salt verbally kicks the two of them in the teeth and is like, sure, you're going to drive my dad mad and run away because things suck here. Thanks. Sure. No, I'm not going. Mm-hmm. But, at, okay, time is weird here because it almost looks like it's the same attempt, but also Kokona has been born at this point? Yeah, at some point they, they're they gone for probably, what, like 12 months, like a year? Let's say a year tops. Yeah. And they get dragged back to the lab where Salt is still working. Still, Now he fits his lab coat. But they bring Papika in and just hook her in a cell immediately. Mm-hmm. And they bring Mimi back and separate her from her baby, Kokona, who looks tiny and blue-haired. And Salt looks at this and immediately goes, I did have sex once. <laughs> and realizes that this is his kid. And this is what gets him to try and help them break out. So, okay, here's here's the weird part. All right. Like, remember Mimi under extreme, extreme surveillance all the time. So. Like everybody in this facility watched them fuck. Right. At the very least, snipers watch them fuck. <laughs> like the the crazy thing is that. They allowed this to ha- that to happen in the first place. They didn't establish how this happened, but like it had to have happened and it had to have happened at some point, probably within uh, like being viewed like and probably recorded and probably studied it. Maybe they thought that if Mimi to say this in a gross way, that probably the way they thought about it, if they were able to breed Mimi and the child could go to pure illusion, they can make pure illusion children. Right. 
maybe that's the that's the thing. They don't say that outright. This is all just conjecture on my part. Yeah, there's no there's no point A to point B on this. And again, there's a lot of implied time skips here, making this very hard to ration yeah. out. And uh, like when uh, Salt's dad takes Kokona away, he's like, all right, well, now we have to like, you know, get rid of this because I we need to punish you and show you that you can't run away anymore. And this is this will get you to stop. The punishment uh, must equal the crime is the line, I yeah. think. Okay, so maybe he wasn't going to kill her, but <laughs> he wasn't going to kill her, but he's very much implying I am going to use your child as a weapon against you. Yep. And this is when Kokona like kind of snaps. Well, not Kokona, Mimi. Sorry. This is where Mimi snaps, calls out for Kokona, but then she is immediately transported to a white room with no curtains and there's an apple on the table. There's like a big black chandelier. She goes over to the apple, touches it. The walls fall down and she's back in the flower field by the research center. But all of the man-made structures here are covered in the flowers. She then walks down to the dock, which is next to the lake. And she has a split personality. I don't know. Maybe split personality is not the word we should use here. She has a multiple personality conversation with a very mean, dispassionate version of herself that says, hey, if you give me control, I could protect Kokona. And the normal version of Mimi, who is like kind and shy and meek, she goes, okay, sure. And then back at the lab, Mimi unleashes her pure illusion power, which basically looks just like red tentacles. Yeah, that's what it's going to be shown as until the final episode is very curved these would be not hentai tentacles but like flexing yeah. octopus yeah it doesn't look cool to be honest um, no it's it's very squishy in a way that doesn't imply animation it's just like yeah what if ultros was bara and you never saw his body <laughs> yeah and there's no detail to it either it's just flat red mm -hmm. which is even worse um but she destroys the research building she takes Kokona and says, I don't need any of you, any of this. Kokona is all I need. And she's like looking at her baby like, Kokona, you're so cute. And as she goes to disappear into pure illusion, she tells her uh, her partners, I'm sorry, which is a scene we've seen before. This little clip. And yeah. the scene begins fading to white. Papika dives towards the light and we hear like a shattering sound. And then Salt wakes up alone in the wreckage. This is when we cut back to the present, where, again, Salt is drawing down on Mimi with a gun and a bunch of monoliths around him, which are weapons. Salt's like, the real Mimi would not have wanted this. And Mimi goes, no, you don't want this. Also, your dad said that people and pure illusion have many faces and all of them are the real you. So, OK, we're going to come back one time to the sort of theme of multiple pop because multiple things pure mm -hmm. illusion can show you. Mm -hmm. But Papika arrives, hops in between the two of them, talks to Mimi, is like, salt for the love of God, put that gun down. And Mimi then blows up all the tentacles and spears salt through the hands with stigmata with those. Mm -hmm. It's a weird and scene too, because like, 
it looks like they, there's a force field and then it bulges and explodes, but then goo shoots out and like, like little, yeah, little BBs. And it looks like it's about to like pierce his glasses and his eyes. Like it's framed that way, but it turns out it's just his hand. It, again, weird, like not great animation or not great storyboarding. And in about an hour's time, his hands are going to be perfectly healed, but with scars. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's right. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, she spears him through the hands, but he's also able to lift the gun while bloody and draw it on her one final time before she (laughs) just knocks him down and bounces. Uh And then when we see next episode, we're going to zoom in and he's just got a fully aged scar on his hand that he's looking at. Oh, I totally missed that. That is so, yeah, that's pretty rough. Yeah, on the stairs underground. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. So that's it. Uh, uh, Mimi wins this battle once again and bounces. Yeah. And the, the key thing here is that, I mean, she says goodbye to Salt, slams him in the lake, you know, beats him up. But she also smacks Papika around and asks her, like a pretty key question, which comes up a couple of times is, is it coconut that you want? Or is it the Mimi you used to know? You can't, you can't choose. Can you? Uh, and then she said, well, let me, let me tell you again. I hate you. And then pieces. And then <sighs> coconut wakes up on the boat, but this time she is not in a dream. And she is really there and she's really there with her mother. And like, the bit here where she has like a little bit of a breakdown being like, I want to tell you about how school is and how my friends, you know, all this other stuff. And it's like, that, that's pretty effective. I think they did that pretty well. Um, but this is the one scene that it really works for me. I agree because she goes from having a lot of emotion to having no emotion pretty much immediately, mm-hmm. um, which is not great. Let's linger on the parents for a second. Mimi says openly, I am your mother. We we can connect. I don't think anyone tells her through the entirety of the rest of the show that mm-hmm. Salt is her dad. I they don't. And there's no conversation that Salt and Mimi have that Kokona bears witness to that explains this either. I don't so, think she knows so it weird. by the end because she interacts with Salt one or two more times and does not go father, dad, anything. Just Sure. You know what? I don't think they talk. No, they. I think there's one bit in the big final fracas. Maybe. Maybe you're right. It's hard to tell because, like, at that point, like, all the ground they're standing on is broken up and, like, things are kind of going a little wild. I. I, My estimation there was that she knew Salt was that she saw Salt. But at the same time, she was so, you know, focused on Papika at the time that. They never even had time to have a conversation, uh, which is, yeah, you're right. I think she doesn't find out that Salt is her father. I don't think Salt was going to tell her anyway. It's and, just incredibly funny that this revelation yeah. is here. and It comes to nothing because of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Imagine the version of this where at the end, Coconut uh, is like, yeah, I'm just going to go home with my dad, I guess. It just lives with this extremely surly man. Well, it's even wilder because it's like, I finally got to connect with one parent 
And spoilers, Mimi is not going to suddenly become a big figure in this kid's life. But Salt is still around. She's mm-hmm. going to have one parent and nobody tells her that. And she's had one parent for a while. She's been talking with him for a while and he's been withholding this. It's like he, he wild. Made, yeah. And also, like, it, it kind of really closes the loop on Dr. Salt is a gendo because yeah. literal dad. Get 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 in the get get in the dumbwaiter uh, coconut. So I mean, they get really blatant with that to the point that Mimi summons an Ava. That is true. That is a very Ava design <laughs> or angel design, whatever. It's um, it's an Ava. It's basically <laughs> unit four. Okay, okay. Mimi says to her that everything's all right now. Mother will take care of everything. You don't have to ever make any decision again for at all because you're going to be here we're going to be a pure illusion it's going to be great and so she and... went for 25 minutes <laughs> yeah uh meanwhile Papika, who's trying to find salt in the lake and apparently the lake is only like i don't know six inches deep pretty far <laughs> in uh thinks back to coconut telling her i hate you and breaks down crying so, pure illusion, Kokona is just flying through the boat with Mimi. Uh, she's pushing a bunch of herself on the kid. Hey, you should have my long hair. Hey, you should wear a dress like I do. It looks good on you. And, all right. I mentioned it a little earlier. I have been reading and watching Assassination Classroom alongside mm-hmm. this. The, the two shows were actually contemporary, which makes it kind of funny. There's a character who has this exact arc with their mother in that show, but it's handled so much better and it doesn't take four episodes. (laughs) And it actually really pushes on the whole, you're too meek, what do you do, how do you break out of this, in a way that involves character growth rather Mm -hmm. than being rescued by rival lesbians. (laughs) But it was just very funny that there's a much more fleshed out and darker version of this exact thing happening in other media I'm reading from the same series this time. Yeah. The thing that's, we'll talk about it in a bit, but the way Coconut turns around is also really dumb. Uh, It's not good. So yeah, Uh, we have Mimi floating her on this boat and We go back to that big snowy world from the first episode. Mimi's like, do you like this world? Coconut's like, sure. So I guess I guess this is our confirmation. This was probably Coconut's world. Yeah. And that it was Coconut's initial world. It's how like her she was as a default before any of this happened. And now that she doesn't have to do anything for herself, she wants to revert back to it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But. In the real world, we start seeing big red pockmarked holes in reality where snow begins falling through them. You can see the buildings in town turning into the snow-covered ruin versions. But outside of town, the remnants of Flip Flap, Yayaka, and Nunu are all holed up. And Salt shows up with his hands working now, gives Yayaka a shard, and says, <laughs> save my kid. No, she Yaya- says save Papika. Oh, sorry, right. Save Papika. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not even Kokona, which would probably be an easier request. It's save Papika. Yayaka 
immediately flips her shit and goes, why the fuck? And before she can finish that sentence, he's on the ground prostrating himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the, the the deepest bow you can do. Yep, my man is doing full M depth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she ends up agreeing to this because she's like, oh, he's serious. So Yayaka on a hoverboard flies out, finds Papika lying in the flower field, completely despondent and basically gives her like a pep talk, you know, admittedly admitting full throatedly that she wants to go save Kokona. Don't you want to do that? Don't you care? Yayaka craps on her pretty good right here. She's like, what, are you just going to lie around forever? And Papika's like, I might. <laughs> oh, no, I just realized this is Shinji. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this, this is, is the Shinji's I, depressed part. <laughs> okay, we have to talk about speaking of cribbing from Ava, Yayaka's injuries have her in a same very familiar white eye patch in her battle outfit You're this right. whole she, sequence. You're right. It is also it seems like this is an Asuka moment too. She's one thousand percent Asuka. <laughs> God. I didn't realize it went that deep, but the more I think about it, you're right. It's just every single layer of this episode in particular, anyway, is very much uh, Ava. Yeah, for this whole arc until the middle of next episode, Yayaka is in that same style of medical eye patch, mm-hmm. Just uncommented on. She's still riding a hoverboard with one eye and nobody has a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like Yayaka. I feel like. She's probably my favorite character in the show. Um, in this arc, Yayaka and the two Asclepius twins are actually have a more interesting thing going on to me than most of our main cast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, I want to just talk about the fact that from this four episode chunk on, we're basically following a whole second cast who only shows up here. More or less. Yeah. Like, we have Sultan Mimi and Papikana, who is Papika. We have yep. the two twins starting to develop their own thing and getting a lot of screen time and caring for each other. And at one point, I forget if it's in this episode or the next episode, they're in the medical room at Asclepius's ruins trying to fix up uh, the boy's gotten his head wound opened from an episode ago. And one of the... High priest straggles it and is like, yeah. no, save me. And she just goes, shut up. That's what Yayaka would say. And he dies. Yeah, that's yeah, that's next episode. <laughs> they're, they're having a lot of fun with these uh-huh. two developing any kind of character, but it's also at the last minute and yeah, they've been too late. deliberately it's... flat the whole time. And, and the thing is, they they any of the good stuff, there's like a little bit of good stuff in here, but it's so buried under crap that it's hard to say, like, watch all the way through just to get this little bit of uh, resolution on a couple of these arcs, right? Like, it's just not worth it. But well, you're right. They're, they're trying. They're actually wrapping up a couple of things. I think the reason I like all of these B characters in this stretch of episodes is the fact that they're not tied into this meta plot that is falling apart around it. Yeah, they're kind of bolted on, you know, they kind of showed up late and they're part of the thing, but they're not part of the core conflict. 
We're rounding out Yayaka's character development. She's the only person who's had one of these arcs throughout the show. Yep. We're giving the twins something to do. We're exploring Dr. Salt, this very flat character who actually has a... I don't know that I would say a lot of pathos, but he has more going on internally than we've seen. And in fact, kind of gets to reveal that he has more going on than Mimi did, especially upstairs oh, by the end of oh, this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I like all of these characters, but it's also probably the fact that I think this would flow better if they were forced to cut an episode's worth of material. Mm -hmm. And like, probably shave off a bunch of the action sequences that feel inconsequential at the end of this. That's exactly it. We, yeah. We're not there yet, but we're about to start just nothing but. It's not even animation porn for the most part, because a not lot really. of it is very samey. It's not impressive until one of the final sequences. But there's character growth happening with the B people to save on animation budget. Yep. And then Yayaka and Papika are just going to be fighting through a boss rush. That's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> and it's a two-episode boss rush. Yes, it is. It is a like a double boss rush. <sighs> All right, let's wrap 11. Let's get into 12, because <laughs> yeah. I think 12 is going to go fast. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, let's do that. So, yeah. Yeah, Yaika grabs Papika, like, basically tells her, like, get your shit together. Don't you care? Uh, and Papika sees like these rifts opening up and sees the snow in the snowy area goes, I know that place. And she goes, all right, yes, I will do this. And even though she gets on the board, she's like still kind of hesitating. But Yaka's like, seriously, what the fuck? And Papika eventually says, I, you know, I love, 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 love Kokona and I want to save her. And she's like, hell yeah. And then they grab the shard, which right yeah, Salt uh, had one last shard that he gave Salt had, Yes, and that was the way they would get to Pure Illusion. So they grab they grab the uh, shard together and they fly off in that direction. And there's a quick cutaway in this bit too where, uh, where the white robe, who I thought would be dead, but he isn't, he sees a portal to Pure Illusion and goes, yes, the time is finally here and runs into it and just gets immediately melted. And actually that part looked pretty sick. It looks cool, but again, that means this character came to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no thematic point to that other than guy went insane, did an, did an evil thing and died. Yeah. And we've, uh, we've basically gone from making him a supervillain into a weird tragic figure. I guess he is tragic in a way, but like, I think the one thing that I don't quite, they don't lay out is, how pure were the motives of the research center to begin with? I mean, you know? it was definitely questionable, but oh yeah, we've we've turned it from my dude is maybe a little over the line to my dude is explicitly threatening people, holding a baby hostage, yeah, and straight like I don't know. Especially yeah. the fact that Salt calls out Mimi and Papika and says, you did this to my dad. And Mimi's like, yeah, we kind of did this to your dad. Papika's well, the he, only he one did, who disagreed. He, 
the dad did it to himself, sort of. Like, of course, he put himself at risk and he know, knew it was a risk. And so it shouldn't be entirely. I mean, we don't know what happened in the memory gate. So yeah, I we would didn't imagine... even get to see it. They touch it now. And then he comes out of the machine babbling about power. You know what? That would have been a good point to give some depth to that character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What is what is his real motivation? What is it that's twisted about him? And let's just say maybe Mimi and Papika fuck it up because they don't know what they're doing. It's the first time they've done this. And like, that's a like, sequence that would way more interesting. You're right. It would. Is yeah. seeing what happened in that guy's head. What was the probably innocent change they made that mm -hmm. goes from zero to insanity? Because I think, I mean, this, it ties back to how coconut, you know, the, the thing that makes this messy, too, again, is that, like, that kind of proves the point that Coconut had, which is, I don't know why we should be messing with people's heads. I feel bad about it. I think it's probably not a good thing to do. And even though she ends up turning around going like, well, fuck it all. I still want to go to Pure Illusion anyway. Then they go, oh, yeah, by the way, she was right. You can fuck this up real bad. And it caused a lot of damage because it created this whole thing. This whole plot really happens, a lot of it, because of uh, a mistake or some some consequence of okay. going into the memory gate. Now, here's the thing. Let's carry this through with the metaphor they set down at the start of this arc, mm -hmm. where pure illusion is also kind of sex. This means that both of these girls basically had a weird fling in their youth that went very awry that had consequences for other people that they're unsure about except in Kokona's case it's yo this pussy so good that we may turned a goth into a brightened upstart child uh -huh. and in Mimi's case it's I fucked a dilf and he could not get enough of this <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's why i think i don't i only partially buy the pure illusion of sex metaphor because when you start thinking of it that way it feels real gross it also doesn't make a lot of sense uh no it doesn't so I think make a lot of sense but it's also <laughs> a thing they're explicitly pushing in places that's true that's true i mean <laughs> This is a metaphor for sex, but also, oh God, you, you know what? You know what? I just realized if we're going to go with the, that's the metaphor for sex. So she's been, Mimi has been having sex with Papika on the side, yet still prioritizes her heterosexual attraction to Salt and their child more than Papika. Yeah. Isn't that weird? There's, there's a lot to unpack here, which is why we're doing that bonus episode next time. Yes. <laughs> none of these things make sense going straight yeah. through. And yeah. since I did say we wanted to do this, let's just talk about the actual events of episode 11 in order. Right. It's we had the explosion at Kokona's house. Mm -hmm. Grandma's out. Wexkull is there for a minute to point Papika in the right direction. She will end up meeting up with Salt and Mimi at the lake. Yep. Nyu Nyu is going to meet up with all the other flip-flap survivors and Yayaka, and they're just going to basically wander out of town for the rest of the episode until Salt shows up. 
we will have one flashback. Salt will confront Mimi. It will go poorly for him. Mm -hmm. Papika will be broken by confrontation with Mimi. Mm -hmm. It will go poorly for her. Mm -hmm. Mimi is going to take her kid, swaddle her, brainwash her, whatever. They're running through pure illusion. And this is starting to break the world. So at this point, Papika is recruited by Yayaka on Salt's request, and they go off to save her. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Yunu did nothing. The Yunu twins have been nothing. making their way to Asclepius. Everyone else mm-hmm. is sitting in a cabin outside of town. Mm-hmm. That's it. And we kill off everyone in Asclepius except for one guy who will show up next episode. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, those are all things that happen, and yet it's just so much of it is a mess. <laughs> Uh, it's because they keep cutting between all of it to try and yep. make it seem like more is happening. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that takes us to episode 12, Pure Howling. We're almost there. But this is where things really fall apart, even more so. Mm-hmm. So, Yayaga and Papika make it to Pure Illusion together. Papika has a, another flashback. We're just in flashback town here. And she's remembering being imprisoned in a tree being approached by a young girl who asks her name. She snaps out of the flashback and then is able to detect where Coconut is by smell. And then we go to the intro. The town is blanketed in snow. The cabin outside of town is starting to be affected by the... All right, here's another thing. We don't see anything outside of this town. Period. In the show. Mm-hmm. Is this pure illusion phenomenon a worldwide crisis? Is this just some localized thing out here? Maybe the lake's involved? I don't know. None of this will ever be explored. Yep. People are going to start getting snowed on and seeing holes in reality in the town. Mm-hmm. No one is going to interact with it. We see all the Asclepius people try and go towards the thing and get disintegrated. We don't see a random person interact with them at all. Yeah, and spoilers for the end. There's no like, by the way, isn't that weird that all this weird stuff happened in this one town? Like we never we never go back to like a common person's view of this because it just kind of slams to the end. Yeah. That's just something that hit me just now. We will show a couple of people walking through town while the snow's showing up, but none of them react to it. We don't know if they get killed. That's it. They're, they're just kind of out of here at this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the cabin outside of town, Hedika gets things running so he can monitor stuff, try and help. Salt is going to leave into the snow to try and go to Asclepius HQ and use the Elpis capsule. He needs to get into pure illusion. And Papika and Yayaka show up and confront Mimi, where she says, You can't choose who you want, right? Me or Coconut? And Papika says, Por que no los dos? <laughs> yep. Which, so, kind of an answer. I get it. Hey, I like my friend. I like my other friend. Let's not talk about dating thing. This was about where that clicked <laughs> yeah. for me that, wait a second, she's kind of both of their fuck buddies. Yeah. 
Yeah. And <laughs> that's a polycule I don't want to see. No, if you try to map out this relationship, because, like, if we just look at the younger generation, okay, sure, it's Papika was once with Mimi, is currently with Kokona, Yayaka on the side trying to get into this has sort of a homestuck thing going on. Whatever. A what? <laughs> How is this homestuck? No, you know what? Don't explain it to me. I'm Don't not going to. to me. If anyone knows, they know. And if not, I can't explain it well enough. <laughs> It's too, we don't have enough time. <laughs> yep. We can't talk about quadrants, Matt. <sighs> See, that word, that word Good. told you. But then if you expand out the Mimi thing, suddenly Salt is involved and had very literal physical sex with Mimi. Mm-hmm. And Papika slash Papikana was involved in this. At least with Mimi, question mark, Salt? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's... Oh, oh, God. No, sorry. I just... I just realized if we're using pure illusion as a metaphor, what about the twins? <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the thing. And I don't know... I don't know where to place them on that. Yeah, I know. They just kind of don't feel like it's a part. They're a part of the metaphor. No, they're not. And here's another thing: there's a revelation at the very start of all this in episode ten, pure jitter, where it's like, yeah, the twins were artificial children created yep. after the experiment that got Yayaka chosen, etc. Mm -hmm. So they started making kids who could go there with devices that had shards. They made tech out of Mimi. But those kids can function without Mimi pieces. They're, they're actual mm -hmm. children. So there's a lot to unpack. How did we... Have How we just been fat-growing them? Did we just, like... Did we do some weird eugenics crap? Nothing is ever no explored idea. with them, and they kind of disappear from the ending too i just realized that i don't know what they do after partway through episode 12 um so okay the thing that happens is after well there's the bit here where uh yaya starts treating um toto for his injury and then the the guy comes up and he says no treat me we've, we've already talked about that that happens here uh in this stretch and Later on, like, Yaya will also, like, save Nunu from getting crushed. And then they spend the rest of the episode staring up into Asclepius, like, the, the blown-off roof of Asclepius, which is a view into Pure Illusion, and just watch the end of the show happen. And they keep, they'll cut over and they'll be like, oh, wow, look, look what Yayaka's doing. They literally cool? say, wow, that's cool, a few times. Yeah, that's all they do. That's, they, they, they do not participate in the climax. And so that made me think, I think we only get one shot of them in school uniforms in the pure illusion yep. world. And that's it. There's um, nothing about their fate. Oh, no, they're, they're they don't show up in pure illusion world. They show up in the end, the ending scene where everyone's back in the real world and 
they like they're like doing a rock paper scissors like a three-way rock paper scissors on their way to class and that's all all you see of them but, but Mew Mew is that... also going with them to it looks like a different school because she's wearing a different uniform no closure on these characters nope nope like uh, especially Toto, like you could you you could argue that Yaya has an arc which is I decided to rebel against authority because I care about my my twin brother, and then oh I respect Yaya God now and that's her arc. <laughs> that's it. But it. It just occurred to me. Literally everyone from Asclepius is murdered in this series of episodes. Who's watching? caring for anything these children because they lived in that bunker yeah oh there's a whole lot of where do these kids live now like they can't all fit in the concrete pipe (laughs) it it only just occurred to me while we're discussing this what happens to those children they apparently just become wards of the state and keep going back to school that's it i guess all right (laughs) sure why not like okay I would have that would have sold to me better if the flip flap crew adopts them, so to speak, and they become like one of those like found family things, you know, kind of, you know, vibes of like Sailor Uranus, Neptune and Pluto raising um, Potaru kind of vibe. Like have Sayuri waving them off into the street or something. Yeah, we see. Well, we see a version of Sayuri's uh, apartment. It looks like a dorm. (laughs) Yeah. She looks like a college student. Uh, anyway, we we are jumping way ahead. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. The more I'm thinking about this final chunk, the more it is falling apart for me. It really, yes, yes, yes. But here's a cool thing that, well, one of the things that I, I think are more interesting is um, Mimi, at this point, in the confrontation with Yaka and Papika, she goes, all right, I'm going to destroy you. And by doing that, we're just going to send India through all the different pure illusion worlds that we've already been to, which is partially reuse, but also it's kind of cool. I mean, some, some parts are neat about that. I just want to have one complaint about this. Okay. I didn't mention it last time, but from this point on, a giant part of the series' inventive design is going to go out the window. Yeah. And I get that part of it is, it's thematic, we can cover that later. Part of it is that Mimi is going to turn everything around her every time she shows up into that stupid fucking clover field. (laughs) Yeah. Everything. Buildings, walls, anything that's not liquid, basically. She will just turn into that. We're reusing all this. And then any time we need to show a character in the real world, instead of doing anything interesting with it, we're just going to either put them underground in the Asclepius bunker, like the triplets, or we're going to show them in a generic psychedelic background where nothing (laughs) has any space anymore, and nobody is going to comment on the fact that reality is currently made out of a Grateful Dead album cover. For what it's worth, I would end up finding out that part of this was added in for the Blu-ray release, The television release of these episodes had a lot less of the psychedelic garbage, and in some cases it was just reused or placeholder backgrounds that had been from earlier in the scenes, like the snowy lab or things like that. So, that's probably why no one's reacting to it. It wasn't there in the start. Oh my god, the, 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 like, really shitty 
3D like little gloops and globs that like show up when reality is really breaking down. It's just like pasted on top of the normal images. It's so goofy. <laughs> yeah, there's wild strings of colors that have uh-huh. no coherence. And then there are just little 3D lava lamp blobs flying through the frame. Yeah, it's so, so bizarre. And, that's what and it really every bra- character like, has around them. Yeah, yeah, it's so weird. Oh, but anyway, they end up back at the Mad Max uh, desert planet. And like while this is all happening, Kokona and Mimi are sitting in their boat, just kind of floating around, watching this happen, watching them fight. And uh, well, Wishia makes a return, uh, which I thought was a interesting touch. Uh, I was like, oh, that character's not dead. Also, you know, she ends up giving Yayaka, oh, I guess you got discarded because you're not useful anymore. Oh, isn't that a shame? But uh, in, in the middle of this fight, Yayaka actually gets her own flip flapping transformation, although they never give her a name. She's not pure x or whatever I, just... I was trying to look for it that's why i've been trying to hunt down an art book or something from this because the u.s version never released with one i'm sure there must have been something in a home release overseas <laughs> let's just call her pure steppy <laughs> that's a good way <laughs> here's the thing because... <laughs> yeah i get the thematic nature of both of the other two pure blade tracks pure barrier makes sense yayaka who has been doing a lot of ranged attacks and gadgets and using tech and missiles and wires suddenly starts getting into physical combat i mean she's done hand-to-hand too she's Um, done hand-to-hand but it's been when she's cornered she's usually using the gadgets but like okay her magic weapon are basically kinky boots. <laughs> Just battle stilettos. <laughs> battle stilettos. But they go up, like, over her knee. And, like, she, like, doesn't have them on at first. She, like, summons them and then, like, kicks energy balls with them. That, that, that's her, that's her uh, weapon. <laughs> yeah, sometimes she's in close stabbing with her foot. Once or twice, she's just doing some Pele shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, like... I mean, I'm on side like, hell yeah, for Yayaka getting her transformation. Sure. I think that's a that's a good way to uh, sort of close that. Yeah, loop. I love that. Yeah, that's good. And like the little uh, when Coconut, sorry, when Papika sees this, it goes, oh, that's so cool. You did it. Like um, Yayaka turns around and you think she's going to like do her bashful like Sundari thing. But instead, she's just. Even though she's blushing, she kind of gives a little smirk. And it's like, okay, okay, she, she's owning it now. Good. Yeah. Good. You're done. Um, But, I, yeah, like, the thing they do with her for her skills and stuff, like, what is, what, and what does it mean thematically? Doesn't make any sense. So, but anyway, don't think about it too hard. <laughs> because back in the real world, the flip-flap team made it, well, they're on their way to Asclepius HQ. This is the part where originally Salt and Sayuri leave on a motorcycle and then they bail and crash the motorcycle. And then like the rest of the crew just shows up and then like two still shots go, hey, we're going this way. We'll help you. And it was completely pointless. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, everyone is now heading into town, into the center of this, except for Hidika, who is still back at that cabin, just poking at PCs the whole time. And he's going to give the robot a last-second transformation that kind of does nothing, but leads to the only time you can really say Nyu Nyu does anything. So, yeah. let's just go through this. Hidika hits a button. A satellite mark muscle drops from the sky towards Buchan, who is starting to get a Popeye-style tattoo on his uh, eyeball. Like, the, the, the satellite does the whole spinach thing, where it's like, yep. this is the can of spinach that's that, that squeezes out, and then, like, it turns into, like, these weird brain-like muscles. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just visible muscle tissue with some robot parts at the end. Mm-hmm. And so Buchan has turned from this jacked-up Johnny Five into a jacked... Machine that is 1% smarter, apparently, and nine times stronger. Okay, that's not a lot. <laughs> but it doesn't lead to anything other than no. it starts getting in a fist fight on the floor of the place so salt can slip into the base. Yeah, that's all, it, all it's there for. It doesn't even look cool. Like, it's it's used as comedy, right? Like, it's... It's like, check out this real badass thing. Buchan's actually going to help out. And it's like, barely helps out. It's like, haha, isn't that funny? Also, he, before he hits the button, though, you, you skipped a, a funny bit where Hidaka takes his glasses off and I, has an, oh, no, he's hot moment. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to lie. Of all the characters in this show, Hidaka is the most my type. Mostly <laughs> because I love... The absolute cannot tell gender queer disaster energy that is going on at all times in that wardrobe, in mm-hmm. their personage, in their personal life. It's. I realize that it would be a terrible move to in any way entangle myself with someone like Hidaka, but there's a part <laughs> of me that's just like, oh yeah, you get it. You could get it. You can get it one time and then never talk to me again. Yeah, you you could get it one time and I'm sure you would run your fucking mouth in the aftermath and I would not make you breakfast. <laughs> but, but. <laughs> yeah, no. It, all right. Yeah, no, basically. A lot of stuff happens. It's not like the the tree monsters from the snow world are there and they're in the way. Okay, fine. But yeah, basically the TLDR is that Salt and Sayuri make it to Elpis and uh, and Yaya saves Nunu from getting crushed. And that's that's it. And I think that's the last thing she does that isn't just look up and go, wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yaya sees the uh, Yayaka transformation goes, wow, so cool. So good, isn't it? Um, but anyway, in the confrontation now, like, uh, Yayaka and Papika are like, all right, this is going nowhere. How about this? I'm going to go distract the monster that we're fighting. Cause they're now they're in the, the Tron world. Yeah. They've gotten back to there. We've summoned a totally not an Ava from her mom. Mm-hmm, Coconut mm-hmm. is now in a plant cage, which I guess Mimi is the one making all of these. We don't really explain that. 
Yeah, yeah. Mimi's just kind of roll. I think she's just throwing everything at the kitchen sink at them. Let's but Yayaka, yeah, uh, Yayaka distracts the monster, and Coconut just goes. Sorry, Papika goes straight for Coconut to try to talk to her, and before she can get Coconut to like come out of her kind of numbness and remember who Papika is, because she's just gone full numb since she's kind of gotten in the boat, <laughs> which. Again, is that weird, like, she was emotional and now she's emotionless because she's just shut down. And so here, Mimi uses her red tentacles and, like, goes into her brain. Before this. Okay. I want to talk about this is the last time the dialogue does anything interesting. Mm -hmm. Because Mimi is starting to go full, mother must protect her children. And Yayaka's like, that's some crazy bullshit. That's an explicit line. She's just straight up swearing up a storm at all mm-hmm. of this. She is so done. It's pretty good. Yayaka mm-hmm. felt like me during this whole arc. <laughs> yeah. And as Mimi grabs Papika, she says that Papika is interference. Just let's just put a pin in that given the whole audio metaphor. That's all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. you're interfering. It's why are you interference? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, Mimi grabs Papika with her tentacles, which are now coming out of her hair for some reason. And she's trying, like, in the middle of trying to recall a memory where they're outside, they've escaped, and Mimi is talking about, oh, the future I'm going to give to my child, like, in the middle of that memory, because she's like, do you remember the last time we talked? Uh, Mimi puts a tentacle into her brain, which yikes, and changes the memory to say, oh, I'm going to protect Coconut no matter what, even if it's from you, which is dark as fuck. But, uh, you know, and there's a brief moment here where Papika looks like she's kind of brain dead. And then the world drooling. She's she's sitting in midair drooling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Boy. Okay, okay. This is uh the O2 getting um getting angeled. Yep. Or not the O2, it's O1 getting angeled. Um you know with the the, the sort of viney bits showing up on her face. Ugh. The and, double uh, o, yeah. Double O, sorry, yeah. And they end up back in the flower field. There's the the tree and uh Coconut is in the tree prison and somehow um, I think it's like Coconut calls out to her or something, but uh, she she ends up recalling the memory that is what she actually said. And Mimi, what she really said was, I'm going to give my child, you know, the opportunity freedom. to choose what freedom. Yeah, freedom. Like, I'm going to give her the freedom I never had. And that's going to be great. Uh, and this is where some bull- real bullshit happens is. In the cage, Mimi shows up and talks to Kokona and basically just says, hey, um, you, you should go make your own decision, actually. So there's now a good Mimi and a bad Mimi. The two halves have split. They didn't show this at all. But now good Mimi is going to start showing up and helping out. And Kokona, like, immediately just goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually do really care about Papika. And then... She actually tells Papika, you know, the I, 
like die 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 ski like i really 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 love you or i love 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 you and when they grab hands they transform into new outfits so now they basically look like i don't know princess tutu <laughs> get-ups they're uh, they're much more biomechanical they're shiny it's kind of like you're wearing half a giver mm-hmm. yeah and it's all in white they're wearing tiaras you know they leveled up and then evil mimi turns into one of the monsters and like the ava monster and they together basically punch her into the sky <laughs> out in the distance and that's the end of that episode <laughs> And in the next time on, they do the sketchy bits of, uh, like, the uh, Evangelion thing, which we said. So it really closes the loop on this was the Evangelion reference episode. It's, I do like it because it's, yeah, just straight up the sketchy flipping through a bunch of storyboards thing they did in the final episodes of Ava proper with the next time on. Yep. It's a good gag. That's it. Yeah. But we're almost there. And so. All right. Are we in agreement? The cold open to this episode is the dumbest scene in the entire series. Yes. Yes. It is the dumbest scene because it raises a lot of questions that it doesn't answer. All right. So. Episode 13, pure audio. As we mentioned, Kokona was in a cage made out of tree that Mimi made last episode. Prior to this, we saw a shot of Papika in a very similar cage that was never explained. Mm -hmm. So we're going back to Papika in that cage. Mm -hmm. And then she's jumping around in age a little. She, the only way we have to measure the passage of time is she's making tally marks on the walls of this thing. Mm -hmm. And then Coconut walks up to her straight up calls out hey I thought you were older nope looks like we're the same age now oh cool let's well, be it, friends it's and even weirder than that right because she says at one point you were older and then you were younger so she was been fluctuating in age up and down and then levels out at the same age as coconut is which is around I don't know five or six yeah Post toddler, but definitely not, uh, not double digits. Yeah. And yeah, so and they, they become friends. Yeah, they they touch hands, and the cage opens. They don't explain anything. We just cut away from this to the intro. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> right. Well, and we we brushed past it, but. Back in the flashback when Mimi goes, I'm sorry, and goes to leave and Papika jumps in and then we hear that shattering sound. What happens is Papika catches up to Mimi and then Mimi just goes, oh, wait, here, here's my baby. And then she shatters into the shards and Papika wakes up, passed out with coconut completely gone, like MIA in pure illusion. And then the tree grows. So. We find out that Mimi just, for whatever reason, at that point in time, shattered into shards. Okay. <laughs> so so the shards are literally Mimi. Mm -hmm. And we find out that, yeah, Papika gets de-aged or, you know, 
gets age matched to Kokona. Kokona somehow survives long enough because remember, like humans get hungry in pure illusion. We've seen that in this scene. Papika gets fed and she loves eating, but and she's who knows? Famished. She hasn't eaten for who knows famished. how long. Like, are, I mean, are we to assume that Kokona just happens to be provided for? as a child until like five years old by pure illusion, completely by herself and is, and is capable of speech by the way. And <laughs> yeah. And this then scene. somehow they got out and somehow together they got out of pure illusion. And then at some point they got separated and Mimi, sorry, coconut ends up in the control of Asclepius. And we see, no, we see nothing that happens between then and then the beginning of this show. And, the scene feels like someone very hastily wanted to write in a it's cool. It's cool. They're totally appropriate for each other, but they did it in such a way that it just leaves so many more questions. I don't think either of us are particularly cinema sins. Yeah. You can drive a truck through that plot hole types, but you can't do, you can't do this <laughs> yeah. scene. If you're not going to commit to anything else, if you cut this, this would make so much more sense because it would not ask the question of, okay, but that all of this is implied by if we just jumped right into the final episode, I don't have a lot of questions. I just go, oh, nobody thought about some implications. That's unfortunate. Somebody mm -hmm. thought about some implications. And was like, penciled in three <laughs> words above a sentence and was like, we good, good dog. Like, okay, this would have worked better. Like, let's rewrite this section. Okay. Like, so how about instead of whatever just happened, like when Mimi goes like crazy, like I'm going to protect Coconut no matter what, I'm going to blow everything up. How about that she gets so overwhelmed by her power, she shatters into the mm -hmm. shards. So we still have the shards. And the power of that, because Papika like goes and grabs her and they're you know next to each other, she gets DAs just sure. Let's just let's make that happen. Yeah. And then Salt wakes up with young Papika there and goes, Well, she's my child now, I guess. <laughs> and then leaves and starts flip flap. And Coconut just ends up getting like found by uh, found by whoever's survived the the thing and started Asclepius. Like somehow they have to get separated. Like Kokoda has to get separated from Papika and Salt, but none of them make it to pure illusion. I think then it works better. It's here's still a little inky, but it's well, here's better. an alternate take. We know that Kokoda and Papika get blown into pure illusion because that's where they start here. And we see Salt wake up explicitly alone in the ruins of that building. Yeah. Which presumably is what Flip Flap HQ is underneath. I don't know. We we don't know where Flip Flap is, but I don't. I think that I mean they are at the research center when this happens. Well, they're at. Yeah, they were at the original research center. Yeah, I've just kind of taken the ruins of that building to be what Flip Flap oh. HQ is built under. Well. Because, well, here's the thing. We see the ruins of that area. So, and we, and we know that it Flip Flap is in a normal looking building in the middle of town. And they're just 
in a secret basement level of it. Because remember but it's when also outside of town. Remember the first episode where she runs through all the halls and flies over the hills. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. Uh, you know, I think it's also confusing because when like Sayuri and Hadaka leave, they end up in the middle of town. I guess all of them end up in the middle of town when they escape. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's, I don't it's know. weird. I'll Space is weird. Make that click. That's but that, yeah. My, my fixed take on this is, all right, Coconut and Papika blown into pure illusion. Mimi is shattered into shards. Maybe is now a malevolent intelligence, but maybe the real one is. We'll, we'll come back to part of that. Uh, I've got yep. part of that that we can discuss later when we get that revelation. Papika wanders pure illusion, becomes more familiar with it, sort of regresses from the lack of anything like no companionship and eventually we find coconut maybe aged maybe a baby and that combination gets them out into reality but separated because they never come together in the same place as we've seen through the start of the show and that's how you get both of them back to the real world papika lands near salt in her lessened form Coconut is out in the wild, and Asclepius has the tech to pick up on her. Okay. I mean, that would work, too. That would work better. <laughs> There's a lot of different ways you could go with this that aren't just, we shoved a naked Papika in a cage. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't called it out, but there's a lot of shots of Papika naked in weird places throughout all these flashbacks. Like, she's That's just true. sleeping nude in a ball pit at one point. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's like when she first meets Mimi as a yeah. child. So like that's she's apparently just how been, they're... she's been a feral child her entire life. <laughs> apparently the proto Asclepius just let children sleep naked in a ball pit trash can. Who knows? <laughs> There's a lot about Papika that I can't think about too long because then this show goes from. I don't think anyone thought about this, too. What were you thinking about? <laughs> yeah, no, really. <laughs> uh, I mean, because, OK, here's the thing, right? The relationship, like, you know, sometimes I, I've started to come, become really tired of the the main couple having met when they were children and they were like fated to be together and mm -hmm. somehow they got separated, and came back together. That's really tired to me. It happens a lot. Um, at least nowadays I've, I see it a lot and fuck it happens in review starlight. I mean, I it was the <laughs> most recent thing I watched, but the thing that's, this is basically the, like Jacob imprinting on Bella's baby in Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly that. She fell in love with Coconut at when she was bored and they just magically made them the same age so they could date together. It's like the worst version of Final Fantasy VIII where somehow somehow, <laughs> somehow Julia gets de-aged and marries Squall or something. I don't know. It, I just... <laughs> it's so... Because even weirder... We're going to say that Mimi is two persons now, or something is taking the shape of Mimi. It's kind of unclear. We'll get there. Yep. Maybe you have Papika 
split into a younger or do anything with that. We never see a dark Papika outside of that one episode that's just like, hey, I could be whoever you want. Yeah. But no, this we just do a very, very weird. Hey, look, we're the same age. Weren't you not? Yeah, I wasn't. But now I am. Hey, great. This isn't problematic anymore. It's the worst possible answer you could have given to this. At the very least, they gave her amnesia. <laughs> like, if she was still like, oh, I, I remember being an adult and knowing well, your mother. They gave her amnesia until the start of this arc for the right, whole and they undo last that. four episodes. Yeah, I'm just thinking she's like Papikana. You're right. You're right. You're right. It's just it's it's a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> You would have to try to make this worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would take a lot. It would take a lot. But that, and then all of this happens before the episode really starts, because then we get the intro. Yeah, we could talk about this for another hour, but like we can't. We can't. We can't. We have to. I, we have to get forward to the part that really makes this bit baffling. But let's go. Yeah. Okay. All right. So back in the present. The girls get a moment to chat. They were like, oh, hey, isn't it great? Hey, I heard you say you loved me and, you know, coconut blushes, whatever. But then evil Mimi is back. Remember, they just punched her into the sky in the distance. But nope, she's back again in like, you know, her normal lady form. And she just starts throwing more monsters at him. These are this couple like those weird gooey monsters that we've we haven't seen them before, but they don't look really cool. It is kind of cool how they like explode into gore for a okay, second. Okay, so. Let's talk about, there's one world they very blatantly skip through the boss rush. Yeah. And that's the school that keeps resetting. Oh, you do hear the chime at one point. Well, you hear the chime yes. during this sequence this yeah. where there are two big doughboy monsters with hydra heads that just regenerate infinitely. And that's it. That's the most they do. Yep. So, yeah, there are now enemies that they can't kill. Great. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and as this is going on, Mimi, you know, she's monologuing. She's sort of shouting, like, we, I should. she's gone from, like, I'm going to protect my child to, why are you, like, attacking me? Why is my child attacking me? I guess I have to punish you, too. It's Pink and Floyd. Going, it's Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yeah. It's straight up mother... Yeah, we'll keep you safe no matter what. Don't you cry. Yeah, and goes literally goes literally fast uh, mask off when her face starts morphing into like a reptile's, which is really unsettling and also felt unnecessary. Well, I couldn't make heads or tails of it, especially because every time it changes back and forth, she gets more eyes. She's up to four or six by the end. Yeah, it's like, and every time it gets more and more monstrous, because at first it's just you start to see the breaking of scales on her skin. And then the next time her eyes are changed and the next time she's just full lizard. And then, then she's lizard with more eyes. It's real mm -hmm. weird. Um, and back in reality, shit's getting real weird. We got like early 90 or like mid 90s, like screensavers showing up in reality now. And Salt gets into the Elpis and... Also, Wexkill finds a portal and just hops into it. Wexkill is <laughs> the only person we see touch one of these pure illusion portals who doesn't just disintegrate. Yeah, it does, without a shard. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, sure, why not? And Salt is now in pure illusion, and he confronts evil Mimi. Mimi tries to, like, destroy him by, like... The, the weird thing is that, you know, to, to show that he is the negation of evil Mimi, he's turning all of the area into, like, a barren wasteland instead of full of flowers, which is a weird choice. Uh, and when it looks like Salt is going to get, you know, destroyed, good Mimi shows up next to him and is going to protect him. And now she's just around, I guess, for the rest of the time. She's just standing episode. next to him, keeping a little area of desolation. That's it. <laughs> of desolation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's so weird. Uh, also, the ground starts breaking up and uh, Buff Wexkel, who's back, makes a cameo uh, by saving Yayaka from falling. And Yayaka's kind of into him. She's just like, She's never seen him before, so this is like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and he just gives him her smirk. He kind of, a rabbit. It yeah, talk. he's basically doing sort of a weak thing, but she's not going, you get away. She's sort of like, yo. Who's and this? I realize they're hanging out together in the outro. Yep. <laughs> I didn't connect those two, but that's very funny. Anyway. <laughs> well, guess what? Mimi, evil Mimi, gets her own flip-flapping transformation sequence. Hooray. <laughs> and now she's she's basically, well, I don't say she's literally Black Lady from. Um, no, you know what uh, she is? From Sailor Moon. She's X-Death. She's made of oh. plants and trying to destroy everything. Yeah, there you go. She's yeah, she just X-Death now. Ma- magical Girl X-Death, <laughs> which is a title. <laughs> Maybe. I, I think <laughs> that episode. has to be our episode title. I think we're locked in. <laughs> uh and then she starts saying, okay, I'm going to destroy everything now and just restart the world and do it in the way I want to. And she, like, the, her bottom half turns from her skirt into, like, a portal to nothingness and gets... Yeah, she's become black a sunning boss. She, she's black eye sunning it. And... Yeah. Or, sorry. Black hole sun. Black hole sunning it. I was like, what did I say? Uh, yeah, yeah, she's turning into the black hole sun video. Uh, this is straight yeah. up multiple Kirby end bosses. This is the final scene of Kirby Triple Deluxe. A lot of women uh, turn into voids in that series. Boy, that's uncomfortable. If you think about it, it's quite a regular thing. Yeesh. I mean, to be fair, uh, I don't know that you can really assign gender to a lot of things in the Kirby universe. That's fair. <laughs> Let's not discuss... Uh, what was that mechanical beast in Superstar and Robobot? I forget its name. I've literally, I've literally only played uh, Kirby Adventure Two on the Game Boy. That's the only one I. Okay, played. well, guess what? Um, <laughs> that series goes places. I apparently, I, you know, I've played as Meta Knight in Smash. Yeah, let's go with that. Let's not talk <laughs> about the cosmic force of death that is also uh, Meta Knight. It's weird. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so this is where the girls finally have the same conversation they've had five times throughout the show and say they love, 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 love each other. And you know what? I was really scared at first, but I do like going on adventures with you, even though you dragged me into it. And Papika kind of resists. It's like, you did, but also you're still kind of an asshole, Coconut. (laughs) and they say yeah we can't give up now because we have to get through this and then if we do that 
if we Halo 4 finish the fight, we can go on more adventures because what's going on right now is clearly not an adventure. This is like psychology. I think that's how <laughs> psychology works. Let's go kill my mom. This is therapy. (laughs) (laughs) So they just hold hands and go straight into evil Mimi's not a womb and blow her up with the power of Yuri. Yep. Now, here is my second dumbest scene in the series for how much it blows up. (laughs) Evil Mimi and good Mimi have a chat lying in this lake that we've seen so many times. Just being like, you know what? I'll take over now, says good Mimi. You, I don't need you anymore. And Salt, you know, can't exist long in this world with the Elpis. He's starting to turn ghostly, turn into ash, maybe turning into a pillar of salt. I don't know. It's animated weirdly. <laughs> mm-hmm. But a young version of him says, hey, we can switch places. We can go back and fix this. And he just shoots his doppelganger right in the head and says, fuck you. I lived with my past. So, yeah, here's my question. Is there some cosmic entity in pure illusion trying to feed off the negativity of people that needs a host to manifest? Are you you saying is there an Udu to pure illusion? I I think I am, but this is the only time this is ever suggested is one scene where Salt doesn't take the apple the snake offers and instead just shoots the thing in the head. I don't, I think what they're trying, I don't know what they're doing. I think they think this closes the loop on his character arc. And I disagree because his arc isn't, I want, I regret what happened. And so I want to fix it. I mean, he says that part of it, but you don't, he doesn't have enough character moments to show anything. I think really the key thing is he, sh- it should have been, I'm going to decide to be a father to my child. Whereas before I abandoned her or like I abandoned her mother, I ended up abandoning my child and I want to undo that damage. And that's not really what he does here. Uh, he's just like been given, you know, a devil's bargain to go like, Hey, you want to just try again and not fuck it up in the first place? And he's just like, no, the point is I live with my mistakes. And it's like, okay, okay, but I don't like, I don't know, man. Like it doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I don't, I don't really think uh, in case people don't listen to lightning strike stories and don't know what Udu is. <laughs> Udu is basically like a personified, like self-aware, like, version of like the collective unconscious in that uh in xenosaga like spoilers i guess but like yeah i don't think pure illusion the only part of pure illusion that shows any intelligence is the mad max world because there are characters living there well i guess also well aroha's memories are memories so i i think that's probably just a reflection of yeah the red gates are different red gates are different but the only part that has actual intelligence is like Wawishia and you know the little jawa creatures that are on that planet and also oh yeah and also the uh (laughs) the fist in the north star gang well they were in the same place but yeah that's just that one world that one world is the only one that shows any intelligence and so the answer is, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I don't think it was setting that up. I just don't know why 
the temptation scene. Like it's this I don't parasite either. trying to jump hosts. It that's what it seems like. Yeah, it seems like. Do you want to take, like, okay, evil Mimi's done, but what about evil Salt? Yeah, it doesn't. This was not hinted at anywhere else. Nope. Well, Witcha is shown as a very distinct entity from mm-hmm. evil Mimi. Yeah. Because otherwise you could just say, oh, it's that same force. But no, it's not. They, well, we saw them in the same place. But remember, all of the different sides of pure illusion and people, they're all the real you. So this is just, I guess you could say this is just Salt's version of Mimi's internal conflict. And that's that's as far as I would go with it. And it's so wild because there's a real weird implication here in that Mimi was desperate enough to take that bargain. And maybe you can say it's because Salt had to live another 14 years and became a better person for it. But there's a real unfortunate implication in Mimi sold her soul. Salt refused instantly. Yeah. But, I mean, I would say, yeah, that that feels bad in some certain ways, for sure. I would say she didn't live with the consequences of those actions very much, right? Like, she was mostly crystal. Who knows how long she's been around? Conscious again? Yeah. Yeah, I guess she, she, she was basically not a presence at all, an intelligent presence, until the shards came back together. So let's just assume... From her perspective, Mimi just woke up right after shattering, and that's all she knows. Yeah. Um, That's the best benefit of the doubt I can give it. And like Salt lived that experience and goes immediately, oh, yeah, that was a bad, that would be a bad idea. I wouldn't do that. Um, And the the other thing is that he caps the doppelganger off screen and we don't see it at all. We just hear the gunshot while, while there's a camera on his face. It's really really cheating on the animation there. That should have been, if you're going to bring this up, show it. This show doesn't do blood for the most part. No. The most it does is the very, I have anime disease thing where Toto keeps coughing or getting knocked and opening his wound, which will bleed between frames. So we don't have to animate the blood. Yeah, the one bit that's like kind of bloody is the Yuri Hell episode where they go out into the rain and it, like, but you don't see it oozing. It just kind of, you there's a cut and they look like they're covered in blood and then they die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing. And it's just sort of like a rain of it rather than this is someone wounded. Mm-hmm. This, this show is weird about a lot of physical conflict in places like the Yayak. Okay, there was the stuff with the Yayaka versus Coconut Beatdown. Okay, Coconut? yeah, there was yeah. You, yeah. You the, the Crystal the, Dome. And the, and, the crystal, and the Crystal Dome, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only one that really felt like actual injuries and hurting people. Yeah, I mean, it starts with Yayaka scratching Coconut's cheek and making it bleed slightly. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's the only exception, because every other time, Blood is just passive on this show. It's weird. <sighs> but anyway, the doppelganger yeah. is dead. So yeah, 
Salt, salt uh, nothing personnel kids, his younger self. And Mimi, good Mimi, only remaining Mimi, shows up, says, hey, it's cool, as long as I'm always the one you love. He disintegrates back to the real world. Mimi cries a little alone. And, and like, okay, she, she says, like, as long as I'm always your number one, which, of course, like, this makes it weird. There's always the implication that she prioritizes salt over Papika a little bit, like not a lot, but like a little bit. And this is one of those scenes where it's like kind of underlines that. Um, but <laughs> she also she basically is just saying, like, you can get remarried. It's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, like, I, I can't be there anymore. If we take that metaphor again, as long as I'm your first, which is oh. a giant theme of this family. Oh, good point. I didn't even think of it that way either. <laughs> not yeah, not great. Uh, you know what? And I when I watch this, both the first time and the second time, when I got to the scene, I'm like, oh, Salt's dead. <laughs> yeah, he's he's literally disintegrating and turning hollow in front of us until he poofs away. Yeah, and then remember, he's in the Elpis, which has driven a man insane previously. <laughs> yeah. So I thought he was done. He is not. <laughs> he is still around. Think, I kind of think he's supposed to be. But the thing is, they show him in the ending. <laughs> they show him at the ending silently yeah. in a way that yeah. could be a very last second rewrite. It it does feel like. Yeah. 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 Anyway, we'll talk about that scene when we get to it. We're almost there. We're almost there. Yeah. So at the end. Everyone's trying to escape pure illusion because it is still collapsing, even though Mimi is now a single entity and not evil anymore. And Coconut is like, I, I don't want to leave you. I like, I just met my mother for the first time. And like, I want to talk to her. Like, I still want to have a relationship. And Papi is just like, well, fuck that. Puts her in a bubble and starts sending her through a portal back to reality. <laughs> Mimi does say, as long as there's pure illusion, I'll always be with you. Yes. And that we, we got to talk about what happens with pure illusion at the end of the show, too, mm-hmm. <laughs> because this, again, raises weird questions. So. So it looks like Coconut wakes up in what obsessively looks like the real world. She's in Sayori's apartment, which has like movie posters on the side and like <laughs> uh, laundry hanging up and, you know. Everything here is a little bit weird. You know, her, her birthmark and chart are gone. Her school uniform is different. Flip Flop HQ isn't there. Like she tries to go to the elevator and do the super, the code. It doesn't work. Buchan got turned into an excavator. <laughs> There's yes. just this yellow excavator that has, that is yellow. and has Buchan's like model number on it. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, like she goes and finds Yayaka at school in the nurse's office and she's like, Oh yeah. Like, by the way, I'm, I'm taking care of your rabbit. And Wexkull just looks like a normal rabbit with only one ear. I'm sorry. You passed over my favorite, which is in what was flip flap HQ. Yeah. Hidika is straight up crazy woo woo pseudoscience with an old tape deck and light up glasses and trying to pray his way to pure illusion, which he cannot find using one of 42 spiritual methods. 
Like, he looks like he's had a complete mental breakdown. Oh, yeah. And he's saying, like, oh, no, uh, like, human progress has been set back, like, a thousand years. No, a million years. <laughs> yeah. The investigation of pure illusion has been set back by probably a million years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, everywhere she's going, she's trying to find people to say, hey, I need to get back to pure illusion. Papika, my mother, is still there. And... Like, especially Papika is there. And yeah. they're like, no, it's gone. Like, the shards are gone. No one knows how to get back there. Like, it seems like this, this is just over. It's it's done. Mm-hmm. And, like, weird, weirdly, even uh, Yayaka says this, too. Like, she, she said that she's tried a lot to go back to Pure Illusion and can't. She grabbed the twins to try. Yeah. Yeah. So, at the end of a rope, she... She being Kokona goes back to the concrete pipe and we get an extremely blatant part of reuse where the first time she ran into Papaka at the pipe happens again, like frame for frame, just in the new uniforms. And, you know, including the the surprise, the crawl out, the, the getting close for sniffing. And the dialogue is so weird here because she's like, wait, where the hell have you been? And she's like, oh, you were lost for a while. They're like, yeah, but why, why did you hide from me? And she's like, oh, I was eating sweets with Mimi. <laughs> okay. And then Papika tells Kokoda, oh, right. Yeah, I, I tried to send you back to reality, but then you managed to bust out at the last second. And then between that, it, somehow she turned Pure Illusion into a facsimile of the real world. They don't explain so that either. That one does make some sense. Okay. If the ice world was coconut at the start of the series... This is that mm-hmm. same fake town, but, you know, after she's grown. Okay, okay. That one I guess that it. makes sense. All right, but, like, you don't see the transition of that happen. And so th- th- this is a fake out. Like, spoilers, it's a fake out. And yep. uh, so she finds out that, wait, if you're here and I broke out, that means this is pure illusion. And then you see like a giant like butterfly, like the, the skies have like been overcast. You see a giant butterfly like shadow f- go over the sky. <laughs> and uh, and Mimi is there it, hiding in the trees, just look, just just observing and like smiling to herself. And then the girls are like, all right, let's just go back to the real world. So they flip flap their way back to reality. Uh, like they they like exit out in the sky, like over the water and they're flying down together and we get a quick like shot over all the different characters. So Yayaka is hanging out with Wexkel and like giving her, giving the rabbit a bit of her toast uh, to eat. The the twins and Yunyu are going to school together. Aroha starts getting inspiration to paint again. Uh, although she doesn't really start painting in this. Yeah, she's just looking at a blank canvas and then looking at the sky. And, but like she's like doing the frame thing with her fingers and you can see the uh, she still has the nail polish on. Mm-hmm. And we see the flip flap characters who are still around, including Salt, who just gets up silently and walks away. <laughs> and that's all that happens. And in the end, Kokona and Papika, holding hand joyously as they fall from the sky, land on a hoverboard and then fly off into the distance together. And that is the end of the show. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what I, did you think about that fake out? It's just, 
It's just wasting our time. Exactly. Yeah. Because if you're watching this live, you know there's so much episode left. If you're not watching this live, then, well, God help you if you binge these last four like we did. I still think 12 and 13 should have been one episode. They have a lot of wheel spinning. You really could have cut a lot of these scenes and made something. Yeah. The thing I is, don't this, think... this fake out only works. It would, first of all, it would only work if they ended up going into, like, let's say, Kokona's, like, memory gate or something. Like, they, they changed something so fundamental that it changed the real world, and we're supposed to buy that. Mm-hmm. This is just comes out as a, as a surprise. The weirder part is that all the characters are acting like this is the real world too, in a way that makes zero sense because they are also mostly convinced that they're not in pure illusion or they're just playing a prank on coconut. I don't know. Yeah, it's it doesn't last long enough to be convincing. Yeah, because it's maybe four minutes tops and I'm being generous. Yeah. Yeah. And this isn't a case where pure illusion and reality merged enough that you could say this, the real world changed, but now there's only one world and pure illusion is gone. Plus they're all drawn in very different uniforms. So it's like, you yeah. know, something's weird. Yeah. They, they try to make it uncanny. UX skull isn't a green blob. It's a normal looking rabbit. Yeah. Which I got to admit, that's actually one of my favorite jokes, just That's for being joke. just a brief cutaway where <laughs> Yayaka's like, yeah, I've been taking care of your rabbit, and we just suddenly cut to a real bunny. Yeah, it is pretty funny. Um, Yeah, no, I just, like, I, I want to like the fake out more than I do, because the key thing being that Kokona is very motivated to find Papika at the end of this, and she's like, We've done that kind of thing before, right? In other shows, like yeah, Utena does a similar kind of like. Except they they sell the oh, you know, spoilers. I guess Utena looks like she's disappeared from the world, and then Anthe goes out to find her, and then presumably she finds her. Uh, <laughs> but like in this case, it's just a weird fake out, and then. To 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 add to the fact that the resolution to it is extreme reuse. And on top of that, yeah, it doesn't resolve anything about what's going on with Pure Illusion. I almost think I would like this show more if it stayed Monster of the Week, Story of the Week, Character World of the Week until the end, and did a sequel tease for a second season that never showed because... Suddenly shifting gears in these last four to an entirely different show with a whole second cast Mm -hmm. in a way that's like shifting gears when your transmission has fallen off the car. It's so abrupt. Yeah, it's not amazing. And it's. I can understand an abrupt ending sucks. Yeah, a unfinished work can suck. I'm the kind of person who does not like to start something I know is unfinished unless I have a lot of pushing me into it. Mm -hmm. You you can still have a good work that just doesn't get done. 
but something that completely fails to land like that. This show lands this plane like it's a fucking Joe star. That's how bad of a wreck this is. <laughs> uh, you're, you're absolutely not wrong about that. That is a very apt uh, description of how this just kind of, it literally crash lands. I mean, almost literally because they it's, fly off those, the hoverboard. Those but, first nine episodes are building in a coherent fashion. And then these last four just spin the fucking wheel leap out of the side of the plane and go, let's see what happens now. <laughs> and so here's the weird, the weirdest part to me is that pure illusion is still around. Mm -hmm. And as far as we know, pure illusion is completely tied to Mimi by herself. Like we don't know if pure illusion predates Mimi. Right. They don't, we don't. mention this at all. And, Mimi seems to be around now. And it like, I, I think we are to assume that for the rest of their, like, okay, Kokona probably picks a high school. Finally. Mm -hmm. Granted, she's never shown to make a decision other than admitting her feelings for Papika. Okay. But presumably she has the will to go do those things now, but I guess she's also probably going back to pure illusion to say hi to her mom. Right? And again, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> nobody tells her Salt is her dad. Yes, nobody says this. <laughs> um, I mean, there's... including her girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's just. There's so much. So many dangling loose. And this doesn't do a sequel tease at all. This no, show it pitches this like that's it's it. over. We're done yep. here. We yep. wrapped. I mean, you could have now. No, there's no way you could say, OK, then new adventures for these two. Let's go hang out with them some more, because mm -hmm. what's the conflict that's going to be this level of deep? It just, you know, in terms of character study, you can't really do that again. Yeah. And we didn't have a large enough cast to explore it. If you did a flip flappers too. You'd have to start following those triplets as they go on their journey of growth. That's the only people you can really do anything with. Mm. You know, this just makes me think rebuild of flip flappers. <laughs> Look, if they're doing a penguin drum sequel movie, I know. what's to say other than the fact that nobody liked this? Well, not enough people liked this. Not enough people liked it. I think, yeah. Look, this is a show that has like what, like a seven out of ten on my anime list. Like, and I feel like it earns it, or maybe it's less than that. Actually, let me Google. I'm, it. Yeah, let's check this. Why <laughs> anime? I'd never go to my anime list, so this is. Oh, almost a perfect seven point five, seven point sixty five. Okay, yeah, yeah, and usually, I what I've been told is if it's under eight, it's usually trash. At the very least, if it's under eight, you probably want to start looking at details. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to start looking over some of the reviews on this to see what people thought about it. I'm curious. You know, I, I have not. I think before now and next record, I'm going to revisit a lot of the. Like 
commentary that I've read. The, you, you, the stuff, like, mostly it's tied to uh, contributors to, to Anifem. But mm-hmm. this is all stuff that I read about the show after I first watched it, and I decided not to go back and revisit it so that my feelings were fresh on the series again. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, it's... I'm, I remember being told that like yeah it just kind of falls apart at the end and it had some ideas in there it had some themes in there but it never really commits fully to any one metaphor that yeah it really pushes all the way through there's a lot to unpack with the fact that only one single female female couple seems to land Made even more questionable when you realize that maybe Yayaka's with a rabbit now? Oh no, they go to Pure Illusion together? And, ooh, no. no I don't know. You. I don't. I <laughs> no, think I that think might just it. be a gag. That might I just be, we never thought it, about it, but it's I think the it's sort of a, thing. It's just a gag. I, I, I cannot, I am not going to turn Yayaka, the one character that I, like, pretty much like on this show into a monster fucker. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that in my head cannon. I mean, <laughs> it might not even be a monster fucker. There's the other <laughs> unfortunate implication that it could just be. You can have big, strong men. Hold me. <laughs> like there's big, strong green men. There's a, there's a whole lot to unpack about where she ends up and just instantly gives up on the one woman she obsessed with for years. I, I think what we're supposed to believe is that Yayaka realizes, yes, I'm in love with my best friend, but she has someone she really loves, and I don't want to get in the way of that. I want to support her, so I'm just going to be her friend and be okay with that. And that's it. I, I think that is, as far as we're supposed to think about Yayaka, is that she will be forever cucked by Babika until she gets her <laughs> until she gets her own love interest. <laughs> Who knows? They're not even in high school yet. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know the way it ends. The final two episodes just keep. When you come in on episode 12, there's still a chance that this is going to go somewhere that might be controversial, but all right, you've got something to work with. And then it just begins jumping from rake to rake, slapping itself in the face with unforced errors. And the thing is, so much of this is also action, and I can't really say that a lot of it is cool enough to justify it. Right? Yeah, it's it's too homage-driven. There's not yeah. a lot of distinct, this is an original thing you did moments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oi, I mean, we're going to talk about it some more. We have we're, one we're more gonna episode. We're going to discuss the themes. We're going to yeah. go over a lot of the... I'm going to do some deeper research. And I really am going to dig into, because that's been some of my research for this, fan communities and okay. on-the-ground, at-the-time, message board and social media discussions of this show. I've been doing searches. 
Yeah, and I'd be very curious to learn about it because, yeah, I came to this. I think I watched this first in 2019. So, mm-hmm. but it, it it was like not on my radar. But I was looking for, hey, what Yuri anime is out there? And I'm like, all right, I've already watched Blue Into You. I've already watched uh, Sweet Blue Flowers. <laughs> I'm not gonna watch uh, you you oh, Yuri Yuri. I can't say that very well <laughs> because that one or Sakura Trick. Like, no, thank you. Not gonna watch NTR. <laughs> NTR no. Trap. Um, so this was on the list and people said like the, you know, the concept of it sounded interesting and yeah, it just, it really does squander a lot of its potential. But for what it's worth, I will say there are a lot of reviews of this post series on my anime list that I'm just flipping through that are eights through tens. A lot of people really? who are like, this should be more popular. And then there I mean, are some ones that are just like three. <laughs> it It's very divisive. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I think I, I'm going to quote a couple of the I think I'm going to quote some of the people who are more positive on this when we come okay. back. Because I'm just flipping through a couple of these. It's very interesting to see what the people who like this focused on. And it's very interesting to see a lot of really similar complaints from the people with low reviews. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. It's a lot. It really is a spicy meatball of a show in 13 episodes. Uh, yeah, and I, I still kind of want to stand by the first seven. Right? Oh. Like, the first seven episodes are, I think, are really worth watching. Yeah, the first half of what we covered really good when it's when it doesn't have to try and explain things when it can just be very creative it has a lot of good design a lot of intriguing teases it's only when it has to finish plating the main course that you go there's poop on this put poop (laughs) in the center of this dish it's literally like it, the the first layers of the cake are nice, but the, the the base, the bottom of it, when you get to the end, that's not chocolate. <laughs> that's not chocolate. <laughs> uh, okay, I would say first eight because I think eight is the multi papika episode. I think that one's good. Yeah, I uh, I think eight, maybe nine. I think until this final set, you've got a good show. Yeah, because yeah. nine is. Nine is the budget-saving one, but it's a lot of character work yeah. getting different people to play off each other. They should have told the twins' names earlier than that, though. They really should. <laughs> it's so, it was so bad for note-taking me. Like, yeah, the, the, the boy twin and the girl twin. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think, again, I really wonder how much changing writers halfway through leads to this disconnect. Yeah. And it definitely leads to, you know, people, like I said in the first episode, people still consider this not a Yuri. And I I don't know exactly why they would other than just I don't want to see it because, they yes, they don't kiss. But like they literally what they say Daisuke a lot, which does mm-hmm. mean love, but I don't think it's the same kind of love as, like, I think Aishiteru is more explicitly romantic, but... Look, I grew up on Ranma, so I, all I, I know is Wo Ai Ni, which is Chinese. 
Yeah, yeah. I is love in Chinese, and that's just. Yeah. I don't think there's <laughs> multiple words for it in my very sketchy memory of learning Mandarin. For many the Amazons years. definitely don't seem to have multiple. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah. Um, well, let's let's wrap this one up. <laughs> this has been a long one. I I think honestly, I think this is a good episode. Honest, I think we got into a lot more bits than we started with. Uh, so it's not like there's nothing to discuss. It's yeah, just that it's not good. <laughs> both of us just agreeing that whole cold open on the final episode is so bad. Yeah, I mean, look. If you took the same show and you cut out Mew Mew and you cut out that one thing, this show goes up a point in my rating. <laughs> it's still not great. It's still not like fully explaining or, or like closing a lot of loops. But like the the bottom of this show, like the nadirs are super deep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'll just I'll just point out uh there's uh there's multiple people who seem to be agreeing with us as I flip through these. Uh characters show up with no purpose, new and you. Uh this series takes a lot of cues from Evangelion, but instead of being a robot, the helicopter mom is force feeding LSD to everyone, and you're not supposed <laughs> to know what's reality anymore. <laughs> That's a very apt purpose. Or, there, there's or some very good descriptions in here. It's and there's some people who are defending this. I will say that some of the people who really enjoy this are like, hey, the pacing is a giant misstep. That's why this is a nine out of ten for me. I think if this was a two core series, this would fix a lot of my problems. Maybe it would have. Maybe if they had more time to flesh some of this out. Like, I just think you can't have the whole de-aging thing. I think you just have to cut that. No, I think tell you a different story. <laughs> I think you can't talk about that. I talking about it makes it seem like everyone had a discussion and this was the best answer we had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th again, like when we started this, it there was studio meddling. They wanted to make it a sci fi adventure show. And I think that's where. The friction between the the Yuri side of it and the sci-fi side of it, I think that's this is the main friction point between those two, which is how do you do both things? And I think and, part of what we're going to come back next week with is discussing works that we both have read that do some of these things better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll be back in two weeks for that uh, theme discussion and sort of season wrap-up episode and uh after that we'll be recording a bonus episode about project echo the first project echo movie which recently got a very nice re-release on blu-ray the second one's getting one within a month or two yeah i think it's july yeah it's pretty soon mm -hmm. but uh we'll likely do one other semi-related bonus uh, episode. We haven't decided on what that is yet, but we'll we'll have it decided by next time we record. So it'll be by, on the end of the season. So as a quick teaser, if you've made it all the way to the end of this, uh, good on you. But also, <laughs> also, 
we are going to be covering the woman called Fujiko Mine next, and uh, it'll be my first time doing anything Lupin, so I'm going to be learning a lot. <laughs> I will be honest, it's not the one I would pick for a first timer, but I think you're going to enjoy it quite a lot mm -hmm. more than some of the other choices. Cool. Yeah, I've heard good things. I just heard it's like, I've heard it's, some people say it's the best Lupin there is. Like, it's this is the distinct. best, like in a way yeah. that nothing else in the series is. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, so peace, y'all. Bye-bye. <laughs>